Jennifer's parents are currently using their children's time away from home to take the first steps towards filing for divorce. With 46% of campers' moms currently staying with their sisters while they try to figure it out, and 38% of campers' dads sleeping on the living room couch and staring at the ceiling for hours before falling asleep. Most campers are, at this precise moment, wholly unaware that their fathers are looking for temporary sublets and are experiencing a level of carefree, joyful buoyancy that experts say they will never feel again. The majority of campers currently have, on average, 16 days until their lives come crashing down around them, at which point their parents will pick them up from camp, drive them to a restaurant, and then break the news that while they'll always be a family, they won't be living together anymore. I love camp this year. It's so much fun. Mom sent me so many care packages. Dad even sent one. It's awesome. This is the Onion News Network. Got Telegram? You can follow our channel there and discuss show prep with other listeners at telegram.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. It's talk radio that you control. 603-283-6160. That's the phone number for you to call in. Bring up whatever's on your mind. 603-283-6160. And it's Free Talk Live. In the studio with you tonight, it's me, Bonnie. Nikki. And Joa. And um, we we have a lot to talk about tonight. We have a couple cop-related things if you're from Joa's... um, channel breaking the flaw if you're here from that um you'll you'll be interested in that one of the things is a sex crime victim being denied her sixty nine thousand dollars settlement because well the cops seized her her settlement money wow yeah how convenient um we also have joa did some activism here in Keene yesterday and he wants to talk about that i'm pretty excited to hear about that um and we have a cop that got arrested for inappropriately arresting his ex-girlfriend oh wow and i have a video i might try to play him on the air for that that was a tackling one is that yeah he i'm not sure if he tackled her because i didn't see the like the video doesn't cover the very beginning it just shows him on top of her and she's like you're crazy yes i I know exactly what you're talking about yeah yeah that's that's an insane story yeah um, maybe he did tackle her, but all I know is it's absolutely crazy. He put her in, um, she had to go to a mental hospital for like two days, um, and it was all inappropriate. Like, she didn't actually need to be there. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I'm sure nothing happened to him. No, he actually got arrested. Oh, yep. good. And fired. Wow, okay. We'll wow. get into it. Yeah, we'll get into it. But first, I wanted to talk about this from Reason.com. Sex crime victim denied $69,000 settlement because cops seized... Her abuser's cash through civil asset forfeiture. The outrageous case has led to calls from Congress to pass legislation curbing civil asset forfeiture, which is kind of a good, um, you know, silver lining. Yeah, it, it, there, there's been a lot of uh, politicians trying to get rid of this, but mm-hmm. I feel like just this uh, interstate commerce laws, you know, 
allowing them to do this. The Fed's allowing them to just take whatever they want. So these people are carrying around the life savings sometimes and moving across the mm-hmm. country. You know, they don't trust banks. Yeah, well, then yeah. that's happened before. You know, there's been like a $50,000 or something seized because somebody was moving across the country and they got pulled over essentially for having out-of-state plates. You know how cops love to do that. Yep. Absolutely. And I mean, and there's really no reason. I mean, it's it's absolutely insane that they can just steal your money even if there's no other crime. And, and what's even you know? crazier is that they when they seize that money, they actually are allowed to spend it for their departments and they just use it to create more traps. <laughs> and that totally gives them incentive <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. to steal your money. Exactly. Uh, it's kind of like my pet topic on Free Talk Live. It's something I bring up a lot um, in my show prep. And I, I even have this article that I've saved um, for a while because it's kind of long from the from Epic News or I think that's what it is. Um, Epic Times that my dad sent me. And it's basically has a whole bunch of different mean, stories. Uh, Epoch Times? Yeah. Ep- okay. Epoch. Epoch. Um, it's like a they're kind of biblical. Yeah. Like a biblical yep. name. Um. But they're right on this. They're right on get rid of civil asset forfeiture. Um, But getting into this Reason article, it says, A North Carolina teenager was hoping to get her life back on track after a state judge ordered a man who sexually abused her to pay her $69,000. Instead, she got a nasty surprise. The local police department had already seized the cash through civil asset forfeiture, and it was already gone. Despite a judge's order, she will get nothing. Wow. The case is a stunning example of the misplaced priorities and perverse incentives, like we mentioned, that asset forfeiture creates for police and how the federal government allows state and local police to evade reforms to stop forfeiture abuse. You know, just if they think or suspect or whatever that it's being used for something nefarious or, you know, Usually they, they accuse people using uh, or having that much money because of drugs. Yeah. And this is what we need to get rid of the drug war so they don't have this excuse for things like this anymore. Even when they're not even, you know, selling drugs, regardless of the, the stupidity of the law of drugs, uh, they're still doing it. They're still taking this even though they're not doing it. It's like it's not illegal to have cash, but it's effectively Ill- illegal if you get pulled over by a cop because, well... They we they can read our minds, but we can't read theirs. We can't right. uh, take them to court and say, well, I don't believe that you really thought that. But they'll take people to court all the time and say, I believe this is what you were thinking when you did this act, and therefore it's a crime. It's like, it's sort of like uh, Ian, where yeah. uh, they you know, the prosecutors even said he followed the law. He didn't do he anything was, He was very well most... versed in the law, and he right. followed the law. That makes him a criminal. Yep. The judge even said, I don't think of you as someone who um, is wantonly breaking the law. I, I'm paraphrasing because they don't let you bring cameras into court. So I don't exactly remember at this point. But sure, I understand. he said, um, I don't think of you. And by the way, we're talking about Ian Freeman, my husband from the Crypto Six. You can go to the Crypto Six dot com. He just got eight years in prison for selling cryptocurrency. And um, basically, the judge said, I don't think of you as someone who just wantonly breaks the rules. I think of you as someone who knows the rules very, very well to try to get around and, and, and break them that way. Like, break the spirit of the rules. And he said that right after um, the, the jury, dis- the co- conviction. Anyways, so basically, you're right. It's, it's another example of, um, well, it's not illegal to have cash, but if you have cash, it, it is something that can make a 
cop think maybe he's a drug dealer and they just take the cash right then. doesn't matter if you get uh, found guilty um, or found innocent. Well, most times you don't get found innocent, but found not guilty. Yeah. A lot of times you can't get it back after that. Yeah, you have to be found innocent, right? Right. And that's rare. Mm -hmm. Very, very rare. Yep. But going back to this story about this girl who's not getting her $69,000 settlement. It says, the case is a stunning example. Oh, I already read that. It says, as originally reported by local news outlet WCNC Charlotte, the Mint Hill Police Department investigated Mario Alberto Gomez Saldana II for sexual abuse in 2019. Saldana pleaded guilty to multiple sex crimes years later in 2023 and is currently serving a prison sentence. The now 17-year-old teenage victim's family filed a civil suit against Gomez Saldana shortly after and secured a consent order for $69,130 to be turned over to her. WCNC reports records show when the MH Police Department, can't remember what that stood for, let me look. Um, NH, you said? It's no, not New Hampshire. MH, it was Mint Hill. Oh. So Mint Hill Police Department. Records show when MHPD investigated the sex abuse case in July 2019, they found suspected marijuana, drug paraphernalia, and cash inside the suspect's home. I mean, it's like a whole entire home. It's one thing, It's like, if it's like all in the car, it's like all being transported together. But Did, did they take a lemon pound cake too? <laughs> hey, I have that lemon pound cake. <laughs> if that, if listeners don't know what we're talking about, who's that guy? Oh, Afro Man. Afro Man. Afro Man had cameras inside his house. Oh yeah, when he got raided. <laughs> right. And <laughs> That was just ridiculous. It's so funny. He made multiple songs about it. Yeah. For the listeners that don't know him. And, um... He showed one of, I don't know what these people were, just like the local police department, right? Not feds? Correct, yeah. Um, yeah. They were walking through his home, you know, looking for drugs or whatever, and there's this one really fat cop that walks past a lemon pound cake that Afroman had sitting on his um, counter, and he it made a- It looked good, though. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> he made a whole song about that cop, like, staring down the lemon pound cake when he's supposed to be, you know, working or whatever. <laughs> It's like his number one song recently too. So funny. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Ian played it on the show back when that came out. Um, So yeah, they found a suspected marijuana, drug paraphernalia, and cash inside the suspect's home. The victim's family and their attorney said at the time an officer assured them the money would be available to one day pursue in a civil suit, and in the years after, continued telling them the money remained held in property. Unbeknownst to them, unbeknownst to them, investigators seized the cash and partnered with a federal agency to apply for asset forfeiture, citing probable cause of illicit drug activity. MHPD investigators never charged the suspect with any drug crimes, only sex offenses, but that didn't prevent the department from eventually collecting more than $45,000 of the seized money in 2020 through what's called the Equitable Sharing Program, according to records. The federal government... The, what? Equitable sharing program? Yeah, that's what they wow. use with the Fed. So they, the the police department themselves got $45,000 and the rest of the 69 or whatever it was that they took. It, I guess it doesn't say the amount that they took from the house, um, but the rest of it, um, the federal government got. 
Yep, that's what it says here. The federal government received the rest of the money. It's a funny name, that's all. Mm, yeah, I mean, they always try to make their programs sound like something sweet and innocuous. And they're always just the opposite innocuous. of what they are, right? Yep. Patriot Act. Okay. Well, in this in this case, they are sharing, uh, the, the feds and the cops are sharing innocent people's money, so <laughs> most of the time innocent. This guy wasn't innocent, but... Um, they took his money so he, it couldn't be given to the, as a restitution to the correct person. Correct. Quote, I've been dealing with this, ish, uh, with this since I was five years old and I'm almost 18. And I just want to move on to the next chapter of my life. Oh, wow. I, I didn't so know. That's so sad. So she was like a child. Yeah, I didn't know that part. Wow. I thought that she was a teenager when it happened. I mean, still very sad, but she's a teenager now. The teenager who is unnamed in the story told WCNC Charlotte. That money was going to help me do it, move on. And without it, it just feels like three steps back. It's honestly so frustrating and difficult. Under civil asset forfeiture laws, police can seize property suspected of being connected to illegal activity, even if the owner isn't charged with a crime. MHPD could use the drugs in Saldana's house as a premise to take his money, even though, as WCNC reports... A simple Google search shows Saldana won the lottery in 2018, collecting $70,000 in winnings after taxes. Wow, that's kind wow. of a, a big turn. So he won the lottery, and he had $70,000 from that. And you can find that information on Google. But since the since he also was a weed smoker, probably. Yeah. They it just but, doesn't make any sense. They, they wanted the money. Right. So he so it's like he only spent like a thousand dollars, right? So <laughs> and if you're like you know do the math and all this and what she's supposed to get sixty nine thousand dollars, it's just like they know it's not from illicit activity now. Yeah, they know that he, you know, he earned with this any, money from the state with any amount of investigating, like cops are supposed to do. They could figure that out. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it's not like they said there was tons and tons of weed or tons and tons of per- paraphernalia and scales or anything like that. It, it was probably just his personal weed. Like everybody smokes weed. So yeah. even if he did, even if he was a drug dealer, I mean, the money's going to somebody else. So does it really matter at that point? Right. That's such no, a you're point. Right. Of course. Um, it, it's getting taken from him either way. Um, Law enforcement groups say civil asset forfeiture is a vital tool for disrupting organized crime like drug trafficking by targeting its illicit proceeds. However, civil liberties um, advocates say it lacks due process protections for property owners and creates perverse profit incentives for police. And that's exactly the truth. Um, Due process is basically it means that you you are. Innocent until proven guilty, for one thing. Yeah, allegedly. And cops don't have the job, aren't tasked with punishing someone. You're you're not supposed to be punished except by a judge's decision after you're convicted of a jury, or if it's not a jury decision, you know, the judge himself. But police are tasked with grabbing people who are in the middle of doing something wrong, or grabbing someone who needs to be taken to court, even even if you are um, somebody who's a lover of cops and the court system, the way it's supposed to be done isn't the way it's getting done. Cops go and shoot people. Cops go and take people's money, and um, they're doing the punishment before anybody's been been seen a court courtroom at all. You know, it, it, 
you know, it blows my mind and still does to this day how much they get away with. It right. is qualified immunity. And not even that. They just they don't even need the qualified immunity when they can just, you know, cover it up themselves. So right. it's it's a big joke. It says forfeiture abuses have led more than half of U.S. states to pass reforms over the last decade, tightening protections for property owners and creating stricter rules for seizing, tracking, and spending forfeiture revenues. Probably not by much. I mean, I I never hear about um, these cases where they end up making um, changes to their laws. It's probably just like silly little ones like Ian and I, and I think Nikki might have been on the show um, we covered a story where I think it yeah it was it was Detroit and Institute for Justice won some case where um, you know it's like they're pushing back a little bit against um, civil asset forfeiture which is great and all but it was such a small step it was like yeah now they'll get they'll make sure that they get their uh, trial within six months like that's good and everything but it's it's such small little wins so I bet it's not it's not probably that big of a deal it says like they're tightening protections for property owners and creating stricter rules for seizing tracking and spending forfeiture revenues but we hear about this crap all the time and that's the thing yeah you're right it could that could really mean anything like you got to be a psycho to even be in these top positions in the ag's office and all that stuff like you know it's it's very rare to get like a libertarian into those positions anyways and it just seems like at this good old boys club and they're all just elbow to elbow like behind closed doors just hanging out all the time and like hey we can do this like civil assets forfeiture yeah let's go for it oh yeah oh you know this cop over here he could use a little bonus yep and it's just like they i really think they're conspiring behind scenes and they play ignorant about it later on play dumb you know, it, it's insane. They play ignorant about it, and they also know exactly how to play to the masses and get them to believe that it's all for something good. Um, I've seen cops multiple times in, not civil asset forfeiture related, but um, in bill hearings for specifically like drug um, reforms. And they're standing there and they're just, listen guys, to the, to the state reps um, who are overhearing the meeting. We need this because we're taking down bad guys and, and they like put on this sweet face for, for officers safety officer safety yeah oh god i need all it's all about officer safety actually that's how they're trained that is exactly how they're trained Af- it, officer sick. safety is more it's, important oh, it's it's priority yep and that's another thing that the back of the blue people love to say like oh well they have such a hard dangerous job it's literally more dangerous to deliver pizzas yep I think Joa has the most dangerous job um, because he has to talk to the police. Yeah, right. And they can snap any minute. Um, moving I'm on. only out there because there's bad cops, right? <laughs> yeah, there's there's a few bad cops out there, and you gotta you gotta watch out for them, and th- and then maybe you can you know help the rest of them clean clean their name up. Yeah. Moving on, it says North Carolina, in fact, passed some of the strongest forfeiture reforms in the country. See, if they did that, and this is still happening, if this story we're talking about, they probably haven't passed that good of forfeiture reforms. Yeah, yeah, clearly they have not done enough. It is one of four states that only allows forfeiture in a, or after a criminal conviction based on proof beyond a reasonable doubt. Sounds a little weird considering the story we're talking about. Wait a second. Can you say it again? So you need, you need an irrefutable proof to get the thing that was yours? 
Is that what you're saying? It says um, it is one of four states that allows forfeiture from, like, the cops are allowed oh, to do for, it okay. after right. a, only after a criminal conviction based on proof beyond a reasonable doubt. Right. But they still take your stuff and then just hold it. Yeah. And you if know? you need that money for rent, and that's um, one of the stories that we and covered the, in Detroit. Yeah. And then what if it disappears? Right. Like, what What do they do then now? Oh, well. Sorry, peers from property, or or they lie. You know, we know they're compulsive liars. So it's like maybe they took, you know, a hundred grand from you, and then they're like, oh no, we only had forty. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, where'd the other sixty go? And then it's your word versus theirs, and they're the the government officials, right? Yep. Yeah. They're the you know the law enforcement the buddies with the judge. So yeah, exactly. Like who is the judge going to believe? You or the cops? And that's how we run into a lot of these issues. I mean, and like even New Hampshire, you don't even have to commit a crime. They'll they'll seize your assets, like your gun, or whatever. Yeah, they can just and take it. And then they'll hold it, and yeah. then they'll charge you for holding it. Yep. Yeah. It's you know it's you ridiculous fees. storage fees. Well, and like we hear about <laughs> cops doing that all the time too, where like maybe you have a firearm or like something that they like, and they're like, oh, well, I'm, I'm, you know, you can legally pretty much have almost whatever you want in New Hampshire as far as firearms go, but they can just take it. Just because. Yep. Now you have to and go then it's all like, oh, you know what? That's a, that's a nice Glock you got there. You know? Yep. Now you got to go to the Department of Safety, make sure that, that you know, it's safe for you to get a firearm again. And then you got to pay the storage fee mm-hmm. and some sort of processing fee. Then you get your firearm back, but it probably costs you more than what the firearm's worth. Well, yeah. and even uh, with the whole raid, there was... At least one gun I know of that went missing. Oh, wow. That was just Are you like, I, yeah, I don't think it was ever accounted for. Yeah, even, even so, this story, they said that um, the parents of this girl were told multiple times by the cops, like, don't worry, we're holding this and we're going to give it to you. And unbeknownst to them, it said, they spent it and gave most of it to the... Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. You know what we did? Uh, we gave spent it. Feds. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we, months after, luck. you know, uh, you know, after months of reassuring this girl's parents. And that's the thing, too. Like, especially with, like, a lot of these, like, rape trials. Especially, like, so this girl's 18 now. It happened when she was, what, five years old. So it's already traumatizing enough. Like, I've heard from people I know personally who were, you know, sexually abused as a child, and then, you know, their parents found out, and then there was a whole trial, right? So then they have to confront their abuser. Hmm. This whole entire process is extremely triggering, and it's it's horrible to put little girls through this, or little boys, whatever, anybody, anybody who has been abused like that. It is awful to have to continuously relive it, never mind having to relive it for 13 years and while this is being dragged on and then finally it's like okay I can just like get this money you know and then maybe like I don't and it's not even about the money for her right it's like just like a closing this chapter and for her to be able to move on with her life and not have to right. think about you know the case or the guy or what happened to her ever again well, it's just like a kicking her when she's down well, exactly well, here's the thing the, the state Okay, they're not about healing people. Hmm. They're about creating victimhood so that you're stuck in this trance for the rest of your life that, you know, like someone does you, you, uh, someone owes you something right at all times in this victimhood Hmm. instead of managing your problem and carrying on with your life. So it's just a trap and another trap. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing with, you know, um, with jail. You know, they'll, yep. they'll, you'll you'll go to jail for something really dumb, right? You go to jail for, like, selling weed. Then you go there, and then, you know, you learn all of these other things, and then people are released, and they become, like, actual criminals. Oh, yeah. That's, you want to become a criminal? 
go to jail. Yeah, you, go, to, you, go to criminal school. Are right? you a cop? Do you want to defend your job? 603-283-6160. More coming up. Stay tuned. It's Free Talk Live. We have some good news. The indictments against Ross Ulbricht in the District of Maryland were dismissed with prejudice, meaning they can never be refiled. This is especially good because those indictments contain the only charge ever made that Ross engaged in murder for hire. This was a serious allegation that Ross Ulbricht denies. It was never prosecuted or ruled on by a jury, but was trumpeted by the federal government and the media as if it were proven fact. The Maryland court held these indictments for almost five years, poisoning Ross's case and leaving him under a cloud of unproven allegations. As explained in Ross's appeal to the Supreme Court, the fact that the judge used these allegations to give Ross a draconian sentence of double life without parole violated his Sixth Amendment right to a jury trial. Judges are required to issue sentences based on convictions decided by a jury, not unproven allegations, never even charged at trial. Although this is a positive development, the dropped indictment will not set Ross free. Now, a presidential pardon is Ross's only hope of freedom. Sign the petition at FreeRoss.org. FreeRoss.org. From Feature Story News in Washington, I'm Benji Haya. The United Nations is calling for the creation of a humanitarian corridor that will provide protection for civilians in the Gaza Strip, where at least 11 UN staff members have been killed, among hundreds of others. The US government has confirmed it's in talks with Egypt and Israel about forging a safe passage for people to leave the Palestinian enclave amid mounting concerns that Israel may soon launch a ground invasion of the territory, following last week's Hamas terror attack that left more than 1,200 Israelis dead. Simon Marks brings us the latest. The talks with the Israeli government will be headed on the American side by Secretary of State Antony Blinken, now on his way to Tel Aviv. On Capitol Hill, lawmakers are expressing anxiety about the conflict widening. Republican Mike McCall chairs the House Foreign Affairs Committee. We know that Hezbollah has 100,000 rockets that would overload the Iron Dome. And we know that in Syria, we have ISIS. Meanwhile, the New York Times is reporting U.S. intelligence believes Iranian leaders were surprised by both the timing and scale of the Hamas attack. That news would undercut claims in some quarters that Tehran actively supported and funded the Hamas operation. Before departing to Israel, Secretary of State Antony Blinken reasserted the White House's commitment to standing by its ally. The United States has Israel's back. We have the back of the Israeli people. We have their back today. We will have it every day. He'll meet with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who's agreed to form a war management cabinet with his opposition counterpart to deal with the escalating conflict. Israeli towns and cities continue to come under intense fire from a barrage of rockets launched from Gaza. Sarah Coates is on the ground for us. Right here in Tel Aviv, where I'm standing, we were just on the balcony. No rocket sirens went off where I am, but I did hear huge explosions in the distance. Following that, I've heard a number of sirens from emergency vehicles. Israel's thanked the US for its support, but may request additional military aid, which could run headlong into a gridlocked Congress. Republican lawmakers there on Wednesday nominated Steve Scalise as their choice to become Speaker of the House of Representatives after the sudden ousting of former Speaker Kevin McCarthy. But his narrow victory highlights the divisions that remain within the Republican Party and the struggle he'll face when the vote goes to the House floor. For now, the position of Speaker remains vacant. Kate Fisher's been following developments on Capitol Hill. 
Just five Republicans have the power to block Steve Scalise from becoming Speaker, teeing up a battle that could be a repeat of January when it took 15 rounds of voting to elect Kevin McCarthy. The House has been paralysed since a far-right faction forced Mr McCarthy out, leading to concerns that it might not be able to pass legislation to help Israel in the wake of Hamas's invasion. From bureaus worldwide, this is FSN. Our Matrix server is about as free as internet chat can be. Join the existing rooms or create your own at chat.freetalklive.com. Talk Live, talk radio that you control. 603-283-6160 is the phone number to call. And during the last segment, we were having some issues with the phone, but they should be fixed now. So if you're trying to call in last segment, just give us a call back, please. 603-283-6160. And with you in the studio tonight, it's me, Bonnie. Nikki. And Joa. And we've been talking about cops tonight, cops and civil asset forfeiture. We have a little more from this story from Reason.org from this week. Um, A girl who was sexually assaulted when she was five, she was going to get about $69,000 from her um, sexual assaulter, the person who victimized her, um, rapist. Um, Nope, I'll take that. That's what the cops (laughs) said, yep. So the cops seized it because, oh, well, he also had marijuana in the same house, so... Yeah, we're going to take that and give some of it to the feds. That's what they did. So that's the story we're talking about right now. It's called civil asset forfeiture. And it's uh, what the cops do when they believe that they can, uh, you know, tell the future and uh, believe that you were probably, this was the proceeds of a crime, even before a jury convicts you of it. And uh, they take that money, they share some with the feds, and they... Uh, really abuse it because they have a perverse incentive to do so. But you know what doesn't make sense about it? Like, even if... So say a person is, you know, selling drugs, but they also have, you know, a real W-2 job where they're paying taxes and all that. Technically, I mean, they don't know that even if, like, the person is convicted of this crime, they don't know where that money came from, technically. Right. So the whole thing doesn't even really make sense. And it just doesn't make sense at all to like, so if it's, I understand and obviously it's wrong, but like taking drugs, you know, it's like, oh, well, you have a bunch of crack. So we're going to, we're going to confiscate that. But to take like anything else that isn't illegal, just because you are maybe doing something illegal, it just really doesn't make sense. It's crazy. You know, like, I don't care if you're a drug dealer and you have a, a legal firearm, like who cares? They're operating off of a what if, basically. But moving on, uh, this article from Reason.com says, But under the Justice Department's equitable sharing program, federal authorities may adopt state and local civil asset forfeiture cases and pursue them at the federal level. Even th- So this is saying even though North Carolina passed some of the strongest forfeiture reforms, and we were confused, how did this happen in North Carolina if Nor- North Car- Carolina is one of the four states that passed um, the strongest forfeiture um, reforms. Well, um, apparently the feds can adopt cases that are going on and pursue them at the federal level in, in your state. 
It says local police departments who partner with the feds to get or get to keep up to 80% of the forfeiture revenue. I guess that's what the equitable sharing program is. <laughs> they get to keep up to 80% of the forfeiture revenue while the rest goes into the equitable sharing pool and is distributed uh, distributed among partner departments around the country. So still goes to more cop you know, it's just like if the point of having cops and having laws and taking money from criminals is to restore the victim, make the victim whole in some way, like obviously you can never unrip this girl. But, um, you know, in him sitting in jail, at least he's not able to harm anyone else because he, he actually did do a crime with a victim. But well, see, like, again, the government is trying to create victimhood instead mm-hmm. of healing her pains. Nope, she's got to stay a victim for the rest of her life now. Mm. That's what they're doing. I, I think that's what it is. You it's know? a really good, um, like, kind of like a hypothesis um, that that's, like, their their main objective. Because obviously well, it's what they do. Yeah, yeah, of course. And that's why they, like, love people on welfare. Yeah. And, you know, they, they love their handouts because people will expect that. And they're like, oh, well, you know, I, I deserve that. I deserve that from the state or they're like, yeah, well, I'm low income. So like I deserve to have all of these benefits. And then even people who don't receive the benefits, they're like, no, we need all this because like, what do you hate poor people? No, it's not that I hate poor people. It's that the government isn't doing this, you know, benevolently like they are doing this because like there's very, you know, specific intent here. Like they want those people to be kept down they're incentivizing people to stay poor i just heard yeah. like, i just talked to someone yesterday i'm not gonna say who whatever whatnot um but i met this guy and he was like oh you know i'm about to take on more hours at work but if i do that yeah, i don't my collect my benefits so yeah. but then he's like no i'm probably gonna do it anyway it's like i was like yes you do it you work longer just take it you're gonna make more money well, like, and that's the thing too. Like if I, you know, I had a friend who is literally like actually very disabled, but you know, she's still able to work and she could only work a certain amount of hours and she could only have a certain amount of money in her bank account or else the state would take that money from her. They mm-hmm. would like, oh, well you owe us money now. And they would just like take money right out of her bank account. Mm-hmm. Um, and that happened to her because she was getting scheduled more at work. Um, and it got to the point where she was like, you know what? I'm actually not going to accept any of these benefits anymore because they're not benefiting me. They're mm-hmm. actually just like she finally realized, like, this is keeping me poor. If I can't have more than X amount of dollars in my bank account and I can't actually work and you guys are only giving me X amount of right. money a month, like I could like she just realized, like, I could make more money if I got a better job and worked more. Instead of like a trap house is a trap system. Yeah. You know? Um. And in general, that does help the the cops themselves for people to just in general have this idea that the government is necessary because the government's what gives them their job. Um, yeah, and I don't understand the idea behind that. To like, I'm gonna the only job I could possibly get is being a cop. Like, you don't you don't think you could be actually productive in a free society? Well, they, they think that is productive. And that's just so stupid. like there are a lot of people who are super, super bought into the narrative. I mean, yeah. like even it's just statism. You know what I mean? Like they believe that we need cops because a lot of people aren't abused by the police. A lot of people, they only interact with police and, you know, they're, oh, they're townie cop. And they're like, oh, hey, yeah. Joe, what's up? Or 
um, you know, they, they call the police and they actually come and they help them. Like a lot of people do have good Maybe. interactions with police. Yeah. Um, but it's like everybody else and they don't even realize. I think there's also like this cognitive dissonance there where like, uh, why would you need to be pulled over for speeding or, you know, like the speed trapping thing? Like you even some people, then. well, some people can like rationalize that like, oh, well, you should have been following the law. Like you should have been more obedient. Like they're just so like Ian, like Ian ex- following the law. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just like ground into these people because they're brainwashed by their parents. They're brainwashed by the public school system. And then the majority of the people around them are also brainwashed. So it it takes a lot like, you know, Bonnie shares on the show a lot about like her awakening. Like you finally like realizing like how bad the police were like by, you know, just uh, discovering some things on the Internet, like watching like you know, police brutality videos and then the floodgates open yeah. and then a lot of these illusions are stripped from you. A lot of people, you know, they haven't gotten to that point yet where they like, they don't realize how bad it really is because a lot of people are hey, just very sheltered. Back the blue until <laughs> it happens to you. Yeah, that's right? kind of how Pretty much. most people are. Yeah. But for me, it wasn't even like I was just some kind of like super cop loving person ever because my, my dad was in the military my whole life. And we just kind of had this, when you're like, you deal with the government straight, uh, like that often, my whole family had this like weird, like, um, yeah, the government's necessary, but very, very bad. Yeah. Like they, they know what is happening. You know how, um, it's subconscious in everyone's mind, regardless, like. They, and then they just tune it out like it's right. Well, know, it's it's, it's necessary. That's how I felt. I felt um, I didn't think much about the cops for one thing because I didn't have to deal with them. And like I had never gotten in trouble with the law until I was 20. Um, and you also just think that it must be necessary because people aren't raised to use their imaginations to come up with solutions to things. You're you go to public school and it's just memorize, memorize, memorize. It's not critical thinking. Let's think of a new way to do this better. Or and if you try to do like a math problem in a, in a more effective way than the way the teacher tells you, well, F, because you're supposed to follow the directions. Yeah, yeah, like, don't you have do to, that. Yeah, you have to show your work. It's like, well, if I'm smart enough to do it in my head, oh, you're just accusing me of cheating, you yeah. know? And that just carries over into adulthood. And just because like you can't do it in your head and you can do it quicker on a calculator, you should be able to use a calculator when you don't, when you're, when you're in the professional world yep. if you need these it's just silly but hey i, I wanted to uh, uh mention yesterday on john stossel it's related to this topic of civil asset forfeiture is that john stossel put a video out um and he it was at least two victims that he talked to or like um interviewed and this um, is a new video he put out yeah just yesterday oh. uh and there was this one guy that owned a print shop and like there's some fugitive some robbery or whatever he took shelter in his shop hmm. um well, long story short, he, the, the the guy was there. He escaped, but they thought he was in there, so they threw in like over a dozen flash, uh, not flash, um, uh, tear gas into his print oh shop, gosh. like a t-shirt Did, printing company. Uh, no, large format printing and just photocopying and stuff like that. Oh. But all this stuff was ruined. Wow, and his entire shop. He had to shut it down. He had to refabricate the whole big That's inside. Awful. He hasn't opened yeah. it back up yet, but he's just doing it out of his house or his garage now. But it was uh, something like right around like that's I think it was actually sixty nine thousand dollars. It's funny because hmm. you said that, yeah. and I think that's what he said too. Um, but he didn't like put a total sum. He just itemized everything with the price next to it when he when he gave it to the police department. They're like, oh, you didn't give us a sum. Oh, 
okay. So he gave him a sum, and, and then he didn't hear back for months later, and then they said, oh, that's not something that we deal with. Whoa. So, <laughs> so they're just not going to um, His whole life his is ruined. I mean, it's yeah. one thing if he's the one... I still think it's wrong, but if he had been accused of doing a crime... It's one thing for someone to wrap their mind around the cops not paying him back for his stuff that got destroyed in the process of them trying to get him. But for the fact that he was a completely innocent third party and this criminal or possible criminal, alleged criminal, took shelter in his print shop and his stuff got ruined and to think the cops just don't owe him money. Right. And the guy wasn't even there. He had already escaped long gone. It was like hours long standoff of a guy that wasn't even there. I've seen this. I've seen these standoffs with no one there before. It's ridiculous. And it's like, that's not even necessary. Like, just go in. You know? Officer Um, safety. Who cares? Officer safety. I mean, just look for him. You know what they're going to do? They're going to, they're going to, Bring out the whole department, bring the negotiators and the tactical teams and yeah. justify who they are and make a big scene, yep. shut down all the businesses in the area because now you're going to, now everyone's like just watching because that's what they, you know, it's just a joke. They, they try to make it look like we need them. We don't. Yep. They want you to believe that you need them. Um, and they also um, want to work with the feds to take money from you. This says... So, yeah, we we explained how they work together. It says the Institute for Justice, a libertarian leaning public interest law firm, notes that even though police in North Carolina don't make money off of state level forfeiture, law enforcement agencies across the state collected an estimated two hundred ninety three million dollars in forfeiture revenue from federal programs between 2000 and 2019. Crazy money. Yep. Um, Quote, am I at peace with it? MHPD, the Mint Hill Police Department attorney, Scott McClatchy, responded when asked by WCNC Charlotte about the outcome of the case. I am at peace that we follow the <laughs> law. Oh, my God, you law. sicko. I, oh, my God, you sicko. Yeah. I'm, oh, you're, you're at peace that you followed the law? Wow. This is I'm such at an peace excuse. that I, you know, I stole money from this rape victim. Right. Disgusting. And then this is why it's like you can't reason with these people. Right. He has absolutely no remorse for what he played a part in. He has no and morals. Then, and then they're just like, oh, well, the law, the yep. law. Oh, th- how do we get these laws? You know what I mean? Well, like, the law is actually very specific that you're not supposed to do this. I mean, you would think so. Yeah. But apparently this somehow they... a Fourth they... Amendment violation all the way. Yeah. And I think they, right. they've written they written extra clauses the law, into the Fourth Amendment protecting specifically this uh, of of seizures and stuff. So you know you have to commit a crime. You have to it's commit just, a crime. It's it's crazy to me because I don't get how they rationalize this. You know, like how how dense and stupid do you have to be to just like everything in your life is just the law. Hey, like, look. oh, I'm, I'm not going to use any of my own morals or reason here. I'm not going to be a good person or even try to make a difference or, you know, do anything positive for the world. I'm just going to blindly follow the law. It's selfishness. That, and that's the thing. I was I had this thought process going for the entire day after I went and visited Ian. Uh, was that yesterday? I went and vid- visited Ian yesterday and I could talk about that. Um, but I just was thinking you have to be someone who just doesn't have you have to be the most selfish type of person to be a cop and uh, have no care for other people because 
of the idea, just the idea that like, I, I, it's because of the experience I had. The cop was being extremely unhelpful, and um, I couldn't find Ian for a while. But it's just like, you you have to be so selfish to be in this game where it's all about what you can gain in in your life at the expense of everybody else in your community. I don't even necessarily think it's that. I think these people are genuinely stupid well, because so, I think they are look, trying to look, help people. They. they they work in this a system. This guy's an attorney, though. Regardless of the uh, um, civil assets, of, uh, civil asset forfeiture. Um, think about how they exist in the first place. I mean, it's kind of like civil asset forfeiture, taxes, and they mm, don't yeah. they don't get that voluntarily. So their mindset is already like, oh yeah, we've justified our job because you know the city said so from stealing it from everyone. Yeah, let's go kick some butt. That's all that the law really is. It's a, um, you know, you have this scapegoat. It's it's the government wrote these. Now I can feel fine with doing immoral things because they don't believe there's there's things that are inherently immoral, like stealing from someone couldn't be inher- inherently immoral to them. It's just um, if somebody wrote it down, oh, well, I'm following the law. I'm doing what uh, I was told to do by this other guy. Yeah. And they always push the buck for sure. And um, this guy, McClatchy, says McClatchy is correct that the the department was perfectly within its rights to seize the money and hand it over to the feds. Yeah, says who, though? I was going to say, that's what this article says, but I think Joa is right. Um, Yeah, absolutely. They pick and choose what laws they're going to follow. Yeah, like, let's take this to the Supreme Court and see what the Supreme Court has to say about it. That doesn't even matter. You know what? I mean, obviously, but if we're talking about using the system and it being illegal. I get it. I just don't trust any of these people. I feel, yeah, the Supreme Court. I don't know. How how many civil asset forfeiture laws have they even, um, you know, reviewed recently? I have no clue. I'd be interested interested to see what they'd say about it, it, but... Here's here's the thing, though. The Supreme Court uh, justices, the judges there, they're so rich when they hear things like, oh, you know, $69,000 seized uh, in civil office of fortune, they're like... Oh, that's nothing. Oh, that's not a big deal. Like, just get a job or something. You know, that's, wow. what that's their mindset because they don't have any. They don't have any have concept of poverty or the understanding of like you know. I don't know. It's just. I think it's just absolutely ridiculous. It's just. That's such a good point. Um, one thing about like politicians and us is they're usually a lot richer than this girl who could use sixty nine thousand dollars. Right. Um, it says McClatchy is correct that the department was perfectly within its rights to seize the money and hand it over to the feds and opponents of civil asset forfeitures say that's the problem. WCNC Charlotte's excellent reporting and the sheer injustice of the case have led to calls from Congress to pass federal legislation to stop cases like this from happening in the future. Honestly, I, I tend to agree with I think uh, you guys said at the beginning that it's probably just, you know, politicians saying what they think people want to hear them say, probably not going to get anything done. Um, you'd like to think it's like a civil, s- silver lining in this case because lots of people are, you know, out, outraged and trying to call their congressman and then their congressman is like, yeah, I'm calling to pass a law about this. I, I'm not sure how this news broke, this story broke, but like typically if you don't have like a community or anything like that, like sort of backing you, these things kind of just fade away. That's right. what they're yeah. expecting with her, exactly. maybe. Like, she didn't have any friends. She yeah, was like, isolated. what is she going to do about it? Like, she was isolated and being raped for who knows how long. So, she doesn't have any anyone trying to support her. 
you know, let's just well, I think take most her money. people <laughs> most people are like that, and I think most people don't have the funds to take things to court, or you know, if she's going to sue the police department or whoever. However, this would be resolved. You know, I mean, exactly. Oh, it's just take really, the money. She can't afford a lawyer to get it back. It's really expensive to hire an attorney, and I don't even think like you know, okay, you can. I, like a court appointed attor- attorney wouldn't even be relevant in this they case because, it. well, they wouldn't be able to because it's not really a defense. She would be, you know, the other side of it. So, right. It says, as reasons Jacob Sullum reported, reps Tim Wahlberg from Michigan and Jamie Raskin from Maryland reintroduced the FAIR Act in March. The legislation includes several major reforms to civil asset forfeiture at the federal level, including eliminating the equitable sharing fund. Quote, it will make me feel more resolved to get this legislation passed, unquote. Wahlberg told WCNC, at least the thought can come in people's minds. They changed their approach and they rushed it more quickly in order to get that $69,000. I guess that's part we kind of... Missed. I'm not sure what they rushed in order to get their twenty sixty nine thousand dollars. The cops. Hmm. It really ended up hurting the victim, and you know it's supposed supposedly the opposite of what the cops are supposed to be doing. You know they're supposed to be helping. The average person believes that cops are out there helping victims of crimes. No, no way. They're um, getting overtime at parades. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Literally. No, literally. I just got that on camera the other day. Today or yesterday? The, no, the the firefighter parade on Monday. Hmm. I was like, is, are you on overtime? Oh, were they? <laughs> the cop was on overtime doing a parade. Wow. Like, yeah. come on. Or the uh, the construction. You know, uh, you know they when they uh, direct traffic. Hmm. Oh. Probably oh, oh, also yeah, yeah. overtime. Well, that's technically detail. Oh. Detail. Well, so. no, there's a difference because the construction companies, which are probably working for some public utility and doing stuff for the city, so hmm. it's irrelevant. But the the cops are hired by that company to do detail work. The company is, that's getting paid by the state, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, that's my point. That's my point. But the company hires... Uh, I yeah. don't know why they have to hire cops, And that's kind though. of... Uh, hire, that's weird. So I didn't know that's how it went. I didn't know they went through the company that's doing it, like the uh, the contractors that are working for the state. That's strange that they're the ones that pay the cops. That doesn't make yeah. any sense. And uh, Matt was even saying um, that in New York, they just have like girls do it, like just like yeah. random people. Like, well, we have you know what uh, I mean. In New Hampshire, we get the flag, uh, the flaggers, yeah. where they say stop and go. Mm, yeah, for, yeah. Sometimes for, for DOT, usually it's a cop though. Yeah, I'd rather see or just they like need a cop, not or a I cop. Just, I'd rather yeah. see not a cop. And that's how I always feel. Yeah, you no, know, it's funny though. You could hire a cop to do detail work. Really? Yeah, it's something so like I... it's something like one hundred and fifty something dollars or something like that uh, an hour. But you could literally hire a cop just to follow you around, <laughs> like a security guard. Oh my god, it's probably really expensive. It yeah, is one hundred fifty dollars an hour. Yeah, even like another. I mean, even a regular bodyguard is going to be expensive. But I would bet you a cop. Yeah, it's more way expensive. more. That's still pretty funny though. Yeah, you know? I was thinking of like maybe hiring one while I do auditing. So that way he has to protect me. If something happens to me, he's always watching me. That'd be and awesome. it, like I got assaulted. I don't know if it would work out like that. I don't really want to be that status, that's all. Hiring. <laughs> It'd be funny though. Well, one thing I wanted to say about this um case that we just talked about is what Joa had brought up that if, you know, you have your own community 
it makes things easier. It makes cases that you're going through easier uh, to get yeah. attention because um, cops just like to push things under the rug anyway. Um, I really feel that that's something we're doing in New Hampshire. Like, um, I attend as many people's um, hearings as possible. Um, Mark Sissy, Ian's lawyer, said that it does make a difference to have a lot of supporters absolutely mm-hmm. in the room um, whenever you're even just getting sentenced. Like, you're already uh, convicted and you're getting sentenced. Um, well, and, you know, and especially, like, for Ian's case or, you know, for a lot of cases, especially with the sentencing or even the trial, you know, the jury or the judge seeing a lot of people there to support somebody I mean, if somebody was really like that much of a jerk or like a bad person, would they have like hundred people here supporting yeah. them, clapping? You know, so yeah, exactly. Like, so I, I think it does really make a difference, especially with sentencing. Another thing I is think I, the jury is coached, but oh, that's just me. Like, oh, what, absolutely, what I think they always are. It's though. Like, they'd be like, they probably said to him in the back. I'm not trying to say like they told him how to do the case. Be like. Ignore the crowd in the courtroom. Hmm. That's a good point. That's, that's right, because he's a, a cult leader, too. So, mm. Well, yes. I think this is another reason they want to take down Free Talk Live is because we can talk about cases like this. We can bring more attention to it. 603-283-6160. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Um, more coming up. Gasoline prices are one thing, but are you paying too much for oil? I'm Holland Cook with Inflation Hacks. AARP tells members most oil change shops slap a sticker on your windshield, summoning you back in 3,000 miles. Check your owner's manual. Many newer cars use a synthetic oil that needs changing far less frequently and keep tires properly inflated. Otherwise, you lose miles per gallon, as you will if you got a lot of junk in the trunk. Why haul around unnecessary pounds? You yourself might lose a few pounds if you simply grab the first parking space you see and walk a little more. It's estimated Americans spend some 17 hours and waste hundreds of dollars each year looking for a parking space. Get some steps in. You'll spend less on health care. How are you coping? Post your inflation hacks at andyoucanquoteme.com. The new 4th edition of Healing Our World, The Compassion of Libertarianism, will take your understanding of liberty to a deeper level and has over 1,300 updated references, new cartoons, and a forward by Dr. Ron Paul. With discounts for multiple book purchases, the 4th edition of Healing Our World is a great gift for the liberals, pragmatists, environmentalists, and Christians in your life who think libertarianism is cold-hearted. Get yours today at healing.freetalklive.com and use promo code FTL for a $5 discount. There are lots of ways to listen to Free Talk Live. Our podcast has been around since podcasts began, and now the FTL feed is loaded with content besides our full show archives. Did you know that we make it easy for you to customize your podcast subscriptions? We have different feeds, one that includes only our full shows, one with just the Daily Digest, and our main feed that includes everything. You decide what you listen to. It's quick and easy to customize your feeds at feeds.freetalklive.com. That's feeds.freetalklive.com. You're listening to the live edition of Free Talk Live. Hour number two is next after the news here on the Liberty Radio Network at LRN.FM. 
From Feature Story News in Washington, I'm Benji Haya. The United Nations is calling for the creation of a humanitarian corridor that will provide protection for civilians in the Gaza Strip, where at least 11 UN staff members have been killed, among hundreds of others. The US government has confirmed it's in talks with Egypt and Israel about forging a safe passage for people to leave the Palestinian enclave amid mounting concerns that Israel may soon launch a ground invasion of the territory, following last week's Hamas terror attack attacks that left more than 1,200 Israelis dead. Simon Marks brings us the latest. The talks with the Israeli government will be headed on the American side by Secretary of State Antony Blinken, now on his way to Tel Aviv. On Capitol Hill, lawmakers are expressing anxiety about the conflict widening. Republican Mike McCall chairs the House Foreign Affairs Committee. We know that Hezbollah has 100,000 rockets that would overload the Iron Dome. Uh, We know that in Syria we have ISIS. Meanwhile, the New York Times is reporting U.S. intelligence believes Iranian leaders were surprised by both the timing and scale of the Hamas attack. That news would undercut claims in some quarters that Tehran actively supported and funded the Hamas operation. Before departing to Israel, Secretary of State Antony Blinken reasserted the White House's commitment to standing by its ally. The United States has Israel's back. We have the back of the Israeli people. We have their back today. We will have it every day. He'll meet with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who's agreed to form a war management cabinet with his opposition counterpart to deal with the escalating conflict. Israeli towns and cities continue to come under intense fire from a barrage of rockets launched from Gaza. Sarah Coates is on the ground for us. Right here in Tel Aviv, where I'm standing, we were just on the balcony. No rocket sirens went off where I am, but I did hear huge explosions in the distance. Following that, I've heard a number of sirens from emergency vehicles. Israel's thanked the US for its support, but may request additional military aid, which could run headlong into a gridlocked Congress. Republican lawmakers there on Wednesday nominated Steve Scalise as their choice to become Speaker of the House of Representatives after the sudden ousting of former Speaker Kevin McCarthy. But his narrow victory highlights the divisions that remain within the Republican Party and the struggle he'll face when the vote goes to the House floor. For now, the position of Speaker remains vacant. Kate Fisher's been following developments on Capitol Hill. Just five Republicans have the power to block Steve Scalise from becoming Speaker, teeing up a battle that could be a repeat of January when it took 15 rounds of voting to elect Kevin McCarthy. The House has been paralysed since a far-right faction forced Mr McCarthy out, leading to concerns that it might not be able to pass legislation to help Israel in the wake of Hamas's invasion. From bureaus worldwide, this is FSN. With FSN Spotlight, I'm Simon Marks, looking today at the $8 billion man, Chuck Feeney, who died in San Francisco on Monday at the age of 92. You've probably never heard of him, but that's because very quietly and without fanfare, he gave his entire fortune away before he died. An Irishman who earned stacks of money by opening duty-free businesses all over the world, he never had much use for cash himself, but saw lots of others around the world who needed it. I'm not here to tell anybody what they should do with their money. If you make your money, you do what you want with it. And Feeney decided to spend all of his on good causes before he died. I was sitting in a hospital in Vietnam, and we were supporting a a group, Operation Smile, and there was a little girl sitting next to her father just in front of me. I watched her cover her face up, just leave her her hands in front of her, her mouth, 
And uh, later on, I figured out why, because she had a, a facial deformation. I saw that girl after she went through surgery, and she was smiling. And I thought, oh, my God, if you can take kids who are ashamed of something that they didn't cause and put them in a position to resolve it, then... Uh, That's a great source of satisfaction. He gave $8 billion away over 35 years and lived long enough to see so much of that money doing so much good. Chuck Feeney, the first philanthropist to espouse the giving while living concept. With FSN Spotlight, I'm Simon Marks. Our top stories again. The United Nations is calling for the creation of a humanitarian corridor that will provide protection for civilians in the Gaza Strip, where hundreds have been killed. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is en route to Israel, reasserting the White House's commitment to the country after the attack there, which left 1,200 Israelis dead. And in the U.S., Republican lawmakers have nominated Steve Scalise to be their choice to become Speaker of the House of Representatives. That's the latest feature story news. I'm Benji Hire in Washington. Everyone needs to get a justice shed. So you have a place to throw that little juvenile delinquent you caught loitering out on the street corner. This is not rocket science, people. I just call up my neighbors, Frank and Terry. We get out there with baseball bats, fishing nets, and we knock that suspect out. And we toss him in our justice shed. We just start dealing out some shovel beatings. That's democracy, people. That's the biggest benefit of the justice shed, people. You are in charge. Our justice shed was all filled up, so we created this justice cage. It's just as good. These guys, I think we caught them shoplifting, and this is my daughter's boyfriend. Look, if you don't have a yard big enough to place a justice shed in, go out and get yourself a justice barrel. I don't care. The important thing is to take control of your safety by any means necessary. Is the Onion News Network. You can stick it to the man and big tech. Join our FTL social mastodon at social.freetalklive.com. If you can hear me on um, Odyssey, sorry about this. That uh, It's Free Talk Live, but I can't get the audio to play. So the. Um, I'm a little frazzled. The. Everything is still connected. So, yeah, we're going out on Odyssey. We're getting um, our tech guy, Captain Kickass, to come in and try to figure out what's going on. I have dead air right now out on the radio, and um, this isn't playing. Um, that, that means that there's dead air on the radio. So, is Captain not out there? No. Dang it. Okay, well, he was here, and he left, and I guess he left his um, water bottle. I thought he was staying for at least the first segment or something. I, I don't know what's going on, like... Um, yeah, we just didn't get our, um, music come back in, and, um, I'm not sure what to do about that. It says connected on here, and I don't know what else to check. Yeah, because um, we're not going out to the radio. Um, so... I would assume it would be something on the, the board. Yeah, but there's, everything is unchanged, except during the break, I was listening to the, um... Oh, okay, so are you, are you on the phone with Captain Kickass? Sorry, sorry, people who are on um, Odyssey and stuff I like know, that. I know, we know. I'm we're not sure what's going out. on. It's not going out. That's why we're on dead air right now. Are you talking to Captain Kickass? Hey, I... I Can you call Captain I Kickass? I gotta go. Bye-bye. I don't have his n- number on my phone. I don't... What the... I don't know his number. Um, yeah, I don't know what to do. Like, 
there's always I unmute server audio. That's what I had, and it's just not um, going. But yeah, right now you we're have just Captain's on his number. Um, no, I have his number. It's just not like his phone number. I only talked to him. I've only ever talked to him on um, the other thing, oh, no. Element. Um, oh, are you calling him? Yeah. Um, the switch. Someone said. Yeah, but what switch? This has never happened to me, so sorry, people. I don't really know what to do. I'm really annoyed. It's like this would totally happen when I'm um, just on because I'm not the freaking wizard. Ian is it the wizard. It says we are live. Well, yeah, we're live on Odyssey and um, internet things. We're just not on the. It's a black. On the radio it's on right the now. rack. It's a black switch. It's on the rack. It's a black switch. Um. I don't, I don't think they know what they're talking here about, but uh, uh, Captain Kickass is here. Um, so, Sorry, guys. We'll be yeah. right there in just a moment. Um, we're just, yeah, we... Oh, you're on the phone with Ian? Um, so, yeah, let's just continue the show like normal. Sorry about that. I think uh, Captain Kickass will be able to figure out um, what's going on because he's on the phone with Ian, apparently. Um, started at the... At the end of the break. Um, so, yeah, we're still on Odyssey. I think those people will forgive us. I guess we'll just... Um, yeah, because we're still being broadcasted otherwise. Yep. Um, I think we should just take a caller. Caller. Or maybe... You're not going to be on the radio, but you're on the internet with us. So, okay. CW in Arizona, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Uh, you guys are having technical difficulties. You are alive in my area. Oh, you, you can hear oh, us on, on the, the radio? radio? Yes, KTOX, you are live. That's oh, weird. Well, that's good, I guess. Yeah, we got we got flashing right. lights in the studio saying that we are on dead air. I'll see you later. Oh, oh you. is that all he wanted to say? I, I well, that, I don't know I, that was actually very helpful though was, to know that we are going out to some radio stations. So yeah, I mean, let's just uh, continue here. What were we talking about? Um. Well, well um, I wanted to bring up Joa's um, activism he's been doing since he's been back in Keene. So, yeah. what have you been up to, Joa? Uh, so, yesterday, I went out to Robin Hood. I like to say I went on a journey. Journey. With my new friend. An adventure. Yep. My friend Jane, the the parking meter lady. And oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 and this isn't Keen, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. It, it, so, I think we go way back with Jane. The, the free staters yeah, and Jane yeah. go way back. Yep. <laughs> She was the one that tried to sue the Free Staters in uh, Keene in 2010, 2011 for yeah. doing exactly what Joe is doing now because she claimed that uh, they were harassing her. I Well, she's harassing me by running around, giving everybody tickets. Yeah, stealing from her neighbors and from people not yeah. from here, and they'll never want to come back here. And I kept them reminding her that, like, uh, here we go again. She did lose that. Um, it's not harassment to go and film a public official walking around giving right. out yeah, get tickets. a real job if you don't want to be harassed. You know, right. The first thing she said to me, um, well, other than like, so when I started the actual journey, so you got to watch the video. It's on my channel, Breaking the Flaw. But um, so she was like, you need to stay back, stay away from me. She turned at me like that was the only thing she said to me the whole time. Was that time. yesterday? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So like uh, I'm out in front of city hall and uh, she's about to start her walk. And I was like, 
we're going to go on a journey. You ready to go on a journey? And she's that's like, what she's, that's what she said? That's what I said. Oh, that's what you said. Yeah, that's what I said. I was like, oh, that's kind of weird that she said that. <laughs> that it makes more weird. sense that you would say that. <laughs> and then and then she's like, what do you mean? I'm, what do you mean a journey? I'm like, uh, what do you mean? She's like, what do you mean we? And I was like, as in you and I, we're going to go on a journey. We're going to be friends. <laughs> and then she went back into City Hall and I was like, all right, you can do that too. You can just not do your job. Yeah, she does a. You <laughs> That's know, better, actually. Yeah. Off the line of duty. Good, excellent work, Joa. Thank you for your service. You're welcome. I saved thirty people yesterday. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. So, were you doing it in the way like you followed her around, and when she was about to get someone, you went and fed their meter? Yeah. Well, a lot of times, actually, most of the time, uh, it was the um, the digital kiosk, right? The the kiosk pay pay stations yeah so all those parking spots i couldn't do anything about and yeah, they don't do print do? receipts anymore which i think is bold so yeah and that's the thing because like previously with those you would stick it in your windshield or right. whatever but now they don't so i would i always get paranoid when i do use those because i'm like how do they know if but you put she your has license it, plate in the system yeah and then she runs your license plate and then it says sees it, yeah, it she checks, has an app. Yeah, this is why I like the printed because I don't want to give up my license plate. I don't want to run in their system. Yeah, into yeah. Their system. I mean, I know they can run their plates at any time they want, right? That's yeah. not the point. But the point Isn't is, that is like, kind of like that's like an unreasonable search and seizure in a way. Yeah, you're voluntarily giving it up. Yeah, not, I think, well, you're um, involuntarily giving it right. up. Sorry, uh, Alu talked about that in one of his books about the the license plate. The, oh, scanners. they have a scanner, yeah, an automatic license mm-hmm. plate scanner. That's definitely a Fourth Amendment violation. Well, yeah, especially with like the cops, luckily, know how they can. Like they don't have better, anything better to do. Luckily, um, outlawed in New Hampshire, but in a lot of states, they oh, still have. It that. stopped blinking. The uh, the license plate reader is outlawed in New Hampshire. Uh, yeah, the scanner. Really? I thought it was on the on the, the on the on the cruisers. I don't know. Maybe I could be wrong. For some reason, I mm. thought that it was. Maybe I'm just thinking of the red light cameras. Well, oh. I don't know about that either. Um, I think we do have red light cameras here. I don't know, actually. That's Ian has specifically question. said we don't. No, yeah, I haven't like seen there any. was like this whole thing like where uh, somebody thought not, there was a camera on a a, um, a post here in Keene, and, and we were all like, "What the heck is that thing?" Yeah, it's not and, and, and they eventually took it down, and we we're just like, "Oh, that's that was weird, weird for a few that's months." That was strange. Yeah, back in Rhode Island, they, there's cameras everywhere that take pictures of you if you yeah. go through the lights or yes, yeah, go exactly, too fast. yeah. In residential areas, you know, it's crazy, like yeah. everywhere. So sometimes on uh, they have like the flashing light, like if it's a blizzard, so you can yes. see that there's an intersection coming up. So maybe I'm mistaking that for the camera because I yeah. honestly, no, there, as there far is as cameras you, in intersections, they're just using it to monitor traffic. It's not so, so much they're, they're reading not, plates. No, oh, they're not. Okay, so they're not. Yeah, catching me for running red lights. And I believe that <laughs> I, I, I want. I feel like they're not recorded. So what's the point? To check traffic. Oh. So, oh, That's oh, weird. yeah. As in, like, if there's somebody sitting there, that they, they, they literally have someone sit there to press green if somebody's sitting there too long or, or whatever. My, my cousin used to do that. But my cousin used to do that, but it was in California. Or mm-hmm. She was the person who turned the, the red light green. And they could mess with you. They're like, oh, I know exactly who that is right there. Right. Yeah. I'm always and afraid of that. Boop, boop, turn it red on them. Make us sit for a while. Sit, obey. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so... I, let me get back to the Robin Hooding thing yesterday. Um, so she was going around to the digital chaos, kiosks and uh, and giving people tickets because they hadn't paid. And I'd ring my bell on my bike, bring, 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 money, 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 <laughs> and like, or she'd go and collect or try to see if there's any change in the in the change slots on the kiosk. 
And then she'd find some coins and I'd be like, bring, bring, money, money, money. So do you have all this on camera? Yeah. Okay. You oh, got to check posted. out, you got to check out the video. It's, it's yeah. hilarious. That sounds, that sounds great. That's why I'm like, you got, you got this on camera, right? <laughs> yeah. And people were like looking at me, like, what am I doing? That's and I'm like, and then I just tell them like, we're engaged. Oh, we're my, getting oh married. Gosh. <laughs> and I keep thinking that it, if she's going to try to get Joa and say he's harassing her or whatever, that's what it. That's going to be her breaking point. She's going to be like, he it, can't tell people we're engaged. But then I sent you this this uh, story yesterday. Um, yeah, I don't think she'd win. But yeah. But uh, there was a back when I was in high school, literally a sophomore year, this freshman, well, we both shared the same English teacher, Miss Dunn, right? This, <laughs> and apparently she was very hot. Oh, Miss Dunn, you're yeah, the I one. Yeah, I feel like I've uh, heard you tell stories about this lady before. <laughs> yeah, oh, Miss Dunn, you're the one. You make my fantasies oh so much fun. Oh, my God. And it, like he, he like obsessed with his, this English teacher, and he wrote a song about her. And uh, and then like the next song was like Golden Showers or something like that. Oh, and, no. <laughs> yeah. But still about Miss Dunn? No, oh. no, but, but was she like, was so embarrassed at the first thing, then like the next song is that, and like... Uh, so she tried to get him suspended. Yo, he got expelled. Actually, uh, expelled. Yeah, but but he uh, ACLU. And it was funny because it made it to MTV News. It was hilarious. <laughs> no way. Oh, oh yeah, my gosh. yeah. Remember MTV News? One of the greatest. Yeah. Um, and um, so he fought it in court with the ACLU. He won. He made case law after it. And then we saw him back in school like three weeks later, and we're like, "Dude, you did it! You did it!" Oh my god! So I would use his case law for this whole harassment thing. I, I could say I'm in love with someone; they don't have to accept it or can't, like like it, but I can say it. I can say, yeah, "Oh, I'm you engaged." You can say whatever you want. And I yeah, guess technically, not, you guys are threat. engaged in making a video for YouTube. Yeah, you're engaged right. in your adventure. That's yeah, right. in your adventure. Well, I did say I was going to make a ring for her out of a coin, uh, but not like silver coin or gold coin. Just, you know, this, this junky. Nickel. Yeah, the junky, uh, the, what, do you, what is it? Nickel and zinc ones. Hmm. <laughs> you anyway. kind of finger green. No, no silver dimes here. No, well, no. That's too expensive for her. I do appreciate that kind of activism, Joa. Um, when they were doing it in 2010 or whatever it was here in Keene, uh, they had a lot of people doing it. They um, ended up costing the city of Keene about $30,000. Oh, great. Wow. Yeah. Well, so. I mean, I saved them. I saved the city $450, technically. That's if any of the, none of those tickets go outstanding. Right? What do you mean? Save so, them. Thirty t- I saved people from 30 tickets. Oh. You mean like real people? Yeah. yeah Not yeah. The, the fake city of Keene no, people. No, no. I don't care about that. It costed the city of Keene $30,000 in revenue they That's, would have gotten back then. Yeah. So I saved, uh, well, I prevented the city from taking $450. Yesterday. Yeah. yeah. At nice. least that, because if the tickets go out staying to like, and they double up to 30 and then to 60, you know, they make more mm-hmm. money off of that too. And Yeah. It's, it's just not right. Um, you know, having your car parked in a spot that is supposedly public and um, the excuse they also use is that they got a they have to clear that area out at night for like officer safety or firefighter safety. Oh, yeah. um, the whole parking spot area around the circle at night in Keene. I, I didn't I, even know that was a thing. Yeah, I I didn't until. So then it could just be posted. I mean, that has nothing to do with uh with meters, though. You know, it's like it could just be posted. Like, don't park here after this hour. 
Actually, so I, I want to make a point it's here not, too. That's what's weird. I actually don't want Jane to lose her job. I just want who she works for for to change, so she can do exactly the same thing potentially, but all the parking spaces are then given to the property adjacent to those parking spots. Okay, yeah, like to the business owners. Yes, like uh, whatever. Uh, Fritz, right? Fritz yeah. over here at downtown Keene. They, the parking spots right in front of them are theirs now. They have to clean them, maintain them, plow and, them, and I maybe mean, hire Jane to patrol them. But, but I would doubt they would do that because if, if you notice, usually it's the cities that are doing these things. No business owner would ever charge if they, if they had, you know, parking spots or a parking lot, right. they would never charge for somebody to park there. Because they want the revenue from their actual business. Or at least you know I mean? um, Jane's job would change a little bit. Like instead of everybody paying every time they park to go to their business, it would be something like, okay, if this this car's been here too long, like Jane's going to have to give them a ticket. Because I can understand. Yeah, if there's a two hour limit or whatever. What yeah, about but- the idea that one of the parking spaces, maybe it's $10 an hour, $20 an hour. That spot will always be free until that person comes by to pay for it. It's just a market that's, you know, why, why, why not capitalize on these things? Why make it such a standard across the board? And I just, I think everything that she does is absolutely pathetic because if there's any empty parking spaces, like, you don't have to give out tickets then. There's yeah, no demand right. to give out tickets, yeah. right? If there's empty parking spots, and trust me, there's always empty par- parking right. spots yeah. until maybe Pumpkin Fest, but anyways. Well, it is Open Phones show, and I'm pretty sure that we're back on the air on the radio now, so I'm going to answer a uh, phone. We have Meredith, it looks like, in New Hampshire. I- is that you on the on the phone with us? Howdy, can you hear me? Yes, what's your name? It's Lumpy. Oh, it came oh, up hey. different on the came up. Uh, I thought somebody had put that name in. Lumpy uh, in New Hampshire. What's on your mind? Nice to hear from you. Well, good evening. I'm actually not in New Hampshire, but yeah, that was you got the number right. Anyway, uh, good evening. Um, I just wanted to clear something up. That's not Jane. That's oh. the other one. <laughs> what, what? I don't know. I don't oh, even know. I, so okay, much I, I care about these listen, people. I didn't watch the whole. You don't even video know your fiance's. Name, but I suspected that we're it not wasn't Jane anymore. last night. We were, we were. Oh, okay, it yeah. didn't work out. I no, didn't she watch wrote a ticket. the <laughs> whole video, but I wondered, no, is no, no, this no. really Jane's Jane? My girl. Just it, but they both look really similar. They're like uh, haggard, um, old women. I'm not even that old. Like she's got to be only like uh, in her fifties, but she looks really, really, really bad. She's. If you want to see an up close, disgusting video of her, you can watch Jeez. my video. <laughs> um, yes, that yeah, sounds worse. It's worth funny saying. how they both age. You know. Yeah. Well, you know, they really both aged in a bad way. Right. And I think that that happens to a lot of us if we don't live right. I know when I was not living right, I was aging quicker than I am now. You can tell that they have no joy in their life. Just it's like ingrained in them, in their look, in their. Well, they can't tell anybody what they do for a living. Nobody. How many how many people do you know would would admit to being a cop or a. a meter maid, right. uh, you know, somebody who pushes around the public. I mean, they don't—they don't admit what they do in social settings. Yeah, I, I was telling her yesterday, like, you know, when you're off duty shopping and people look at you, are they like scared of you? They're like, oh my god, did I feed the meter? Like, is that how they when they see you? Is that how they interpret yeah, your I mean, look? If you don't think they know that? I mean, they know that. 
I'm uh, I'm also want to express like you guys got me on the air here. I don't want to take up a whole segment. I love you guys. This whole thing with Ian's been trying for all of us. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of damage they're out to do. I think this goes bigger than what any of us could imagine. Um, you know, um, it's it's been a damaging thing for all of us. They're targeting anybody who wants to think for themselves, uh, not have group think. Right now, I do think there's a very big concerted, uh, if you will, conspiracy to, uh, well, they, I think there's a, there's a war on freedom. I really, truly do. Oh, absolutely. There's no question and about it's that. Mental, it's emotional. It's a game. This I is the oldest fight ever, dude. We think it is, and I think a lot of people that we think are here to help us are really dirty. Anyway, uh, I love you guys. Thank you so much for existing. Thank you for changing my life so many times for so many years, and thank you for caring, and I appreciate you guys. We love course, you too, bro. Lumpy. Love thank you, man. you. Thank you for the call. I don't I know. Really it's really nice to hear it. from you, Lumpy. It is. Call in more Good often. To hear from, good to see you all. Good to hear from you all. Good night, man. Um, we also have... David in New Mexico, I'm going to go to him in a second, but I just wanted to say um, I agree. There's, you know, a, a war against, you know, the people who want to be parasites and uh, live off others and the people who just want to live free, the people who just want to live the best lives they could possibly live and not hurt anyone else. There's just two types of people. There's moral and immoral people. The only thing I really consider innately immoral is harming anyone else. And so therefore there's immoral, moral people because there are people who want to live their lives and not harm anyone else. And then there are people who they don't want to have to work very hard. So they're like, eh, I'll just harm other people for my paycheck and my uh, daily meals. And um, yeah, there's a war against yeah, but us. You know, what? you know what? I, I would rather be poor than sell my soul. Right. Me too. Like, yeah, I think like, we're going to be, we're going to be dead a lot longer than we're going to be alive. And it matters what you do when you're alive. I believe. The quality of life you're gonna have after death but we have david in new mexico on the phone david what's on your mind i love you man oh <laughs> thank you oh. we love you too david you liar you don't love me you might like me a, the tiniest 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 little bit sometimes but i'm oh, just kidding you're a good speaker uh, <laughs> huh i think oh, you're, thank you're good you. at speaking yeah. so are you joe actually i really admire joe joe's got more cojones than i do when going face to face with uh, people that want to abuse you well i appreciate that but yeah no right on no uh, powerful stuff man I, i've always dug what you do but i don't want to get all serious man because this is talk radio you control and i call it the troll so um <laughs> you know you had tw uh from uh where is it uh Gold, golden showers oh you're talking about golden showers from golden showers arizona that's where kotex radio is that bloody mess of a radio station kotex radio um uh, and uh, you know the guy with the, the 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 program just ahead of you is the, the afternoon jive guy that michael hagwood guy afternoon jive guy i don't know and uh so i don't know if you're on the radio there or not you you can't you you can't trust what cw says cw he can't do anything man and he knows i'm kidding hey cw how you doing but uh, but yeah, so that you don't know for sure if you're on uh, Kotex Radio because, like I said, bloody yeah, mess. I, bloody I didn't mess. think we were because um, like we have these lights that blink. I kind of just trust Ian's um, past work that he's done to automate this place better. Um, well, well, actually, you may you may be CW is pretty sharp. He, he uh, I, I think he meant that you he was listening to you on broadcast radio uh, as opposed to on the internet, and he's a sharp dude, so he should know what he's talking about, but. 
maybe there was a, a room for confusion there. I don't know. CW, call back again. Tell us if you're on broadcast, if you're listening One on broadcast. One call night. On... Yeah, but the, yeah. The other thing no, no, is... But that's what, it, that's what I collected from it, that he was on listening on the radio. Yeah, Captain is Live. already, you know, uh, been on the phone with people. The lights stopped flashing. So I think we're back. We're just going to find out when the music uh, comes up in about a minute or two. Um, okay, well, shout seconds. out shout to all the listeners in uh, Golden Showers, Arizona, there on uh, Kotex <laughs> Radio, Bloody Mess Radio. Thank you, David. Oh, oh sorry. I, I, didn't, I honestly thought that was it. Thank, thank you, David, for your call. Um, yeah, I think that we're going to be good now. And sorry to the listeners for that. Sorry for my flusteredness. I just didn't know really what to do. Um, I kind of felt like we were just playing on Odyssey at that moment. That can always be, you know, like fast forwarded later for the people listening later. Um, but we've been talking about what Joe's been doing. He's back in Keene. Um, who knows how long uh, you'll be here. Oh man, it's past twenty nine, right? Uh, the alarm didn't, or the the music didn't come back. Weird. Well, we're st- well we maybe we're break. still on air, and uh, we're not in a commercial. No, I'm just gonna I'm, I'm gonna mute since we're on break. It, it's at twenty nine. We're out at twenty nine. Well, I had a lot of fun. Well, uh, I just, <laughs> yesterday. I want to take a break. We're back on Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control, 603-283-6160. That is the phone number for you to call to get on the air with us, 603-283-6160. And in the studio with you tonight, it's me, Bonnie. Nikki. And Joa. And we do have a caller on the line, and I'm going to go straight to the calls because it's an open phones talk show. Sarah in New Mexico, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Yes, I I just want to bring up that even these elections, it it seems like everybody feels like it's kind of worthless. It doesn't, you know, people find out that, well, that's what everybody concludes, but I mean, I kind of do agree with that, but there's some things that do, you know, happen that does make a difference. Like all the years of I voted for the library bonds, and but we wind up building two new libraries in the last seven years. Uh, and you so know what? I will say, for. Sarah, it it does seem like as far as voting goes, like the small scale, like local voting, does seem to make a little bit more of a difference. Um, I mean, whatever. I still don't necessarily agree with it because it's kind of like forcing your wants and your opinions like on other people, your little neighbors. Um, yeah, but but you will see like more of a of a difference with the local voting because people one like your neighbors aren't as likely to vote locally. A lot of people just vote in like the big political or the big presidential elections. Um, and it's, it's more of a grassroots effort, right? And, and less yeah. like, Oh, we're voting for the whole entire country or the whole yeah. entire state. Like you're less likely to see any sort of change from that. Yeah, and then one of the votes that um, that I I talked about with um, one of the people I met was that they always want to raise property tax for the people that own homes to pay for the schooling. And then what we what he concluded was it doesn't matter where you get the money, and then it doesn't matter that you keep dumping money all over into the education. 
and the kids are always dumb. They test low. Yeah. And, and then he's like, Facts. it doesn't make any difference whether you put how much money you put into it. Well, well, so do you, do you agree with that, Sarah? That it doesn't matter how much money you throw at the public schools, they're still not going to do a very good job? Well, here in New Mexico, it, it, it pretty much is the truth. I mean, they've been spending a lot of money on the kids when they're always testing the bottom of the barrel no matter right. what. Well, so, Sarah, what, what would it take um, to convince you that there should just be private schools that make a profit and they have an incentive to do better and teach kids? Well, I, I mean, what private school? They don't, we, we're so poor. Nobody has any money. To because you guys are taxed for the public schools. You, you see the, that? Yeah, you're getting stolen I mean, from. Or... If we made it easier, so say if a family doesn't want to pay for uh, a private school, which doesn't make sense because they're already paying for the public school, right? So you might as well allocate that money to the private school. Um, But regardless, if we were to make it a lot easier for parents to homeschool their children, I mean, there's a ton of free homeschooling curriculum up to like 12th grade on the internet that people can just get. So even if their parents are dumb, like they can still set them up with something um, you know, and I think in New Hampshire, I think they give people a stipend yeah. to homeschool. And, well, and a lot of the thing with homeschooling is like to do it legally, right? Like it's super regulated and you have to jump through all these hoops into so many people. They're like, well, it's 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 too hard and, and they feel incompetent or unable to educate their children. So they just send them to public school to send them off to someone else who is incompetent in unable to educate their children. Well, to to play a little bit of a statist here, okay, in in the sense that, all right, if public school is going to exist, right, and how they get their funding, when is it they get their funding? The the students don't go up in numbers or anything like that. Just stay the same. But the, the incentive that they have today is that if the kids are dumb and they get bad grades guess what they get more funding so that's like rewarding they're rewarding yeah. bad uh wow. you know bad teaching bad results yeah 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 so sarah let me ask you this what if the public schools rewarded the schools and the teachers if they did well well i mean that makes sense that um i think i was um discussing like the what happens is that with our property tax, it always voted, people vote for it. Because most of the voters are renters. Very few people own property. So still, now, uh, well, like, still it's still affecting them. them. It's dumb to think it doesn't affect you if you're, if you're a renter. I mean, these are just people that don't think very far ahead. It's yeah, definitely so the I buck mean, is going to be passed down to the rent, the cost of rent. And then they're going to complain like, oh, these renters, these fat cats, they're just... Charging so much money for rent. We can't have our kids babysat for free. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, well, the I mean, the rewarding the schools for money that sounds it sounds pretty good. But New Mexico, we dumped a lot of money on education, and and it's always the same low test scores. I mean, I mean, so most of here's the thing: most of the homeowners will vote against the property tax. They're like. No, I get the money from somewhere else. Don't waste my tax. Hey, Sarah, do you think that do you think that it's the government's goal to actually educate people, or do you think it's their goal to keep them dumb so they don't know how to you know play this? I don't want to say play the system, but more like uh, you know get involved in the system to actually make an educated difference. Or you know, so do you think they really want you to be smart? Really? Well, of course, no. You know what? They want you to be educated enough to do a menial job, to work a job. 
But they don't they don't want you to be too educated because yeah, they, they'll have a revolution and a rebellion if you're too educated. Yes, sir. They, wow, they just, Sarah, they, you wow. you're you're uh Sounding Sound like little, you're really coming around. Sound what? like you're against public schools to me. Yeah, but. Sarah, what if I told you that public schools are just lining the kids up to fill the positions that they want you in, right? Oh, yeah. They want you to be smart enough to count change or push them up or flip That's all they or, want. You know, yeah, it's funny because like all these rich, like all these millionaires, billionaires that invent things and, and come up with new ideas that are very successful – they did that out of their garage. They didn't do that at a, from a public school. Actually, a lot of them dropped out of public school because they thought it was so dumb and that they started their own way. Another thing about it, Sarah, is I feel like you just think, oh, private school, that's so expensive. How could what what New Mexican family could possibly you know afford that just because there isn't a competition price pu- pushing prices down, um, you know. And, and we have this public school system where most people just go for that. So if you want to go to private school, it's going to be a lot more expensive because, you know, that's like uh, luxury, basically. If people, one, weren't getting taxed, you know, stolen from in order to pay for uh, your kids, anybody else's kids to go to public school. And two, there was a competing system of free market schools out there it wouldn't be that expensive like how ex- it would actually how much- be cheaper because it'd be probably efficient because it's a profiting system so they can't like they can't fail and no one's going to send their kids to that school when they're failing yeah they're going to send to the school the kids to the school when they can succeed in life and in, in what they're being taught so it's it the competition's right there on its own i mean the why, why do anyone why does anyone send the kids to public schools anyways I know what it is. It's a cop-out hey, system to get their kids babysat. Mm-hmm. Yep. You guys don't understand New Mexico. We're like the most, we've got the most poorest, the pitiful kids in the world. They're looking, asking for school supply. They got no um, new clothes, no shoes, no underwear, no clean socks. They have no beds. They have nothing. They have no foster parents. They got no big brothers or sisters. They have nothing. Every year they're asking for everything. And, and there's so much government supply. involvement in your state, Sarah. Don't you think that has something to do with it? Like, they took everything, all, all the, you know, culture and um, opportunity to do well away from the natives, and then they just handed them back. Like, you know, you get your uh, res money or whatever they call it every month, um, and you don't have to work. Just, you know, sit on this depressing um, desert, like, and do nothing because the government's going to take care of you. And then um, it's not just them, obviously. It's everybody in New Mexico pretty much is in a position to be on welfare. Not everyone. But it, you, like, it sounds like Sarah's like um, exaggerating. It's, she's not exaggerating. No, well, Louisiana not. and Mississippi have them beat for, you know, poor kids hmm. and bad schools. So, but Look, still. The government, it's like New Mexico is a good example of it because it is really bad. Like she says, it is there. Uh, and what what they're doing is they they live in poverty. They're peons to the system, and they wave a carrot in front of their face, and they keep reaching, but they don't get it. Yeah. So the, it, it, like it's a really sick system what they have going on over there. And now that you know the governor is you know taking gun rights, so now you can't even protect whatever whatever you have any any uh, valuables. You can't protect yourself. You can't protect your life. It's crazy. Sarah, would you rather have to? get a job and not be on welfare anymore or um you know give give the get the opportunity for people to have the opportunity to do better for themselves than they're doing now in new, in new mexico no i'm i'm happy with my 
my life because I get to do like other things. Like I'm going to have a meeting this Saturday with my network marketing at a library. It gives me more time and energy to do things that are useful for the public other than working a real, regular job. There's more to life than working a regular job. See, this is so this is the attitude, um, listeners, of the average person who is voting to take your rights away so they can just sit on doesn't welfare. It, doesn't it feel so selfish, though? Like, Thank oh, you for the call, Sarah. I shouldn't have to work and make my own money because I'm going to steal it from po- the other. You know, she she's admitting everybody's in, in New Mexico is poor, right? Everybody's living in poverty. Yeah. She's stealing money from other poor people because she's too lazy to work. I, would, I mean, I, like, I w- seriously. I wouldn't seriously. say Sarah's living a lavish lifestyle or anything. Yeah, but, but she is living her, within a very low means, but probably a lot better than most other people because she seems very quaint in her ways. I'm not I'm not judging her on how much money she has or anything like that, but she's definitely, you know, milking the system. I mean, system. you're not going to get a lot of money from the government. So, no. I mean, if you're not working and you're just collecting government, you know, money, I mean, yeah, you can assume that people are still, you know, Living in poverty, basically, right? But it's it's comfortable in a certain sense, but enough, it's yeah. soulless. Because you don't have to work. It costs your soul to yeah. do this. Do it. I mean, is it worth it to have a full belly? And, and that's it- my thing. Like, I don't necessarily need to be like super rich and have a ton of money. I don't really like money. I I like sustainability. Like, there are other things that I'm more interested in. Like, I'd rather have more of a simple lifestyle where I'm, you know, comfortable and sustainable. Whatever. Um, but I would rather still work like working can be fulfilling. Uh, I'd rather tend my own gardens and produce my own food which you can't do in New Mexico because there's no rain or, or soil that you can grow any sort of food in. You but can grow stuff in, in deserts. I don't hardly. Know no, I mean, like, you can, there is definitely people growing stuff in the desert. Yeah, but I, they can't even grow grass. You can grow you know grass. I mean? It's just that it's not part of its ecosystem. There's like a diverse yeah. ecosystem and there's just as many. I think obviously like there. if you're trying to garden in South Carolina, you're going to do a lot better job than if you're trying to garden in the in the desert. It just doesn't. It doesn't. Well, if you're sitting somewhere where you have light and you have water you can bring in, it's not that I'm saying well, it so just that's grows the thing. naturally it's, in the ground like but, but that's the thing. Like, So you have to steal water from somewhere else. And yeah, there's aquifers like really, really deep uh, in the soil in the desert. Um, but typically what they do is they steal water from another state that where it does rain. That's um, what I'm saying. It's 2023. I'm not saying uh, in the 1700s or something. Yeah, but but I'm talking about sustainability, right? So I'm talking about having your own well, having your own, you know, waste removal, growing your own food. Like, I'm not talking about like, again, it's kind of, le- I don't want to call it leaching off of the state, but I mean, if you're consuming city water, city, you know, waste removal, you're not sustainable. You're not self-reliant. You're still you're very dependable. You're, you're still depending on them. Yeah. Absolutely. Like you're still completely dependent on the state. And if the state ceased to exist, it's like you don't have any water. You don't have any, you know, a lot of these people, you know, are, are kind of going to be screwed. But, um, but, but yeah, I would, I guess, without the state, people would just make deals with other states where they got water. Like there are things that you couldn't live with here if we didn't have trade yeah. in other places it's like that everywhere yeah but- of course but i would rather have a well than uh than rely on somebody else and and that was kind of my point of self-sustainability not having to use an outside source for pretty much anything everything i, I am consuming 
Absolutely, you could. People yes, have been doing it for hundreds yes. of years. You, you, not trading? People don't just well, you sit can in trade place of, and uh, not trade Of course trade you anything. can trade, but Without, like, like... extremely low so, levels of so living. So technically speaking, you know, obviously I personally wouldn't want to do this, but if I had a well, I had my own, you know, like septic system or leach field, I had a garden, I had chickens and, and maybe some other animals for meat, I could technically, like me and my family, like we could survive off of just my, you know, five acres or however many I have. So like technically it is possible. I'm not saying it's super comfortable, but. That's that's all I'm saying. Like you can, you can live in a place where you don't have this, but you can trade for X with other people and have a comfortable, happy life basically anywhere. Yeah. But I I was, I was saying, I was speaking to me personally. I like self-sustainability and I don't want to rely on anyone for any of my like absolute necessities like yeah i I want to buy salt from somebody but like food and water like yeah i want to i want to produce that myself to take it to an extreme level uh there's this guy i follow uh uh, robin greenfield and um he has a youtube channel you can look him up but um he did he owns like just maybe a little over 100 items and uh he he lives sustainably by foraging all of his food mm-hmm. and he eats really good meals like it's healthy he looks healthy and he doesn't make any money like he, yeah. well, he does he does make some money because his youtube channel but that just became successful because people really like how he's living yeah and uh it, it's fascinating that uh and i learned a lot from him and uh really there's actually more nutritious food by foraging than you can find at the store oh absolutely yeah, I, i'm sure you know Actually, um, I, I, I just want to give you guys, since it's on my mind, uh, it's Lamb's Quarters, and it's you probably won't find it as much right now because it's getting cooler, but Lamb's Quarters, it's, it has more protein, and it tastes better really? than spinach. Oh, it is actually really good. Really good. Um, what is that? Um, you have to look it up, but look up it's Lamb. It's like a green? Yeah, it's a green. It's just, it looks kind of like spinach, mm-hmm. if it's not as round, it's kind of like, yeah. kind of pointy-ish, but... It tastes good right off, right, right fresh. And that, and that's a great point about foraging. I I think a lot of that wisdom has just been lost. You know what I mean? Like, and and this has been lost like for hundreds of years, like kind of since the invent of farming, right? I think that's why people Um, are are collectivists now. Is that uh, we used to want to, you know, do build gardens and farms and like you know have things in rows, and it looks so organized and like a a collectivist, right? But now Mm -hmm. it's like people collect figurines and cards, baseball cards and Pokemon cards and all these different things, video games. And well, all. And that's, it's a collectivist system. It's just that I think we it's in our psyche and just that we're not tapping into it properly. Yeah, I, that, that's actually probably a great point. Um, and like going back to foraging, like there are tons. I mean, I mean, humans at one point, like hunter gatherers. I mean, they were surviving simply from foraging and hunting wild animals. I mean, only 150 so, years ago, 90% of the world population were hunter-gatherers, farmers. And a farmers. lot of them lived in, you know, like Utah, New Mexico, and they lived. So <laughs> that, that was like my whole point. The thing about what Sarah yeah, no, said that's true. silly is she thinks that to work for yourself and provide for yourself, you have to be like sitting in a cubicle or do no. like, or she, like her point was, there's more to life than going to like a regular job. But the thing about boring regular jobs that everyone hates is you do those when you're young and inexperienced to move up. And that should be the opportunity for you to save up, to go and do this next thing. Like you don't just, you know, wake up and and you're doing some dream job. Yeah. Well, and I think also it's a different mindset, right? Like kind of what like, 
we were just describing with like being a hunter gatherer or like a nomad or like being a farmer, like those very like primitive basic lifestyles. Um, or even like say, you know, starting your own business and just doing something that's really fulfilling to you. Um, it's, it's a completely different mindset than someone that is like living in the city and is just like, okay, well, I need money, right? Because, like, I need to pay my rent and, you know, like, everything costs money, right? Like, I have to go to the grocery store and, you know, everything costs money. Um, so it's a different mindset that you have to to be in to even survive in those environments. It's like, you need to walk, work some crappy job. And even if it's really well-paying, like, say, you know, if you're an accountant and you're making, like, 150 grand a year, you know, you're living pretty comfortably. Yeah. Maybe you have a big house. But if you hate your job, yeah, you're going to think, like, it, it kind of goes back to Sarah and like justifies her point where it's like, yeah, you might as well just do nothing. I might spoil it for the Etsy uh, producers, the the marketplace, but because um, I'm going to say it's a national radio. You literally can just buy, like not buy, you can uh, collect acorns, polish them, and then glue the caps back on and then put them on Etsy for like a lot of money oh, or just yeah. pine cones and you put a sealant on them. Then just put it in a fancy bag and sell it on Etsy. Yeah. You're, you're literally finding these things. I actually was doing this. I was getting finding driftwood in the in, in yeah. rivers and then just leaving them out in the sun, let them get a little bit whiter, uh, giving it a, a quick salt scrub, and then selling them on uh, on Etsy. But if you live in the desert, then you don't have pine cones. Nah. So then you have to buy them off Etsy. You can find desert you roses. Sage. Sage. I don't know what to tell yeah, you. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, that's true. Find so, lizard skeletons. I don't know what you can find in the desert. But yeah. But, but damn, what I'm saying something. is, like, if you want a pine cone and you don't live in an area with pine trees. Oh, right, right. You know, yeah. there's where am I going to get my pine cones? There's, sure. pi- there's evergreen trees in the desert, too. That's the thing. A lot of right. people just don't have it there and they so, think it's all sand. Well, I oh, have ignorant. where I have been. To the desert, there was literally nothing, and it was the most depressing place I've ever been. Well, you know what I sucks. mean? It was just like terrible. Like nothing <laughs> and I was exists actually, here. Um, no, neither should I. So this is Southern California. I'm talking about, and I was like looking at the real estate market there the other day, and just like the yards, and that I'm like, yeah, it's just it, yeah. I'm like, this is just looks like a I sad love place. Southern California, though, it's so beautiful. Some parts of it. I mean, I wouldn't want to lo- earn property. Not Lancaster. You can't really do anything. <laughs> Well, like San Diego and, you know, down to oh, the yeah, border. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh. once once you're, like, more on the coast, then it gets a little yeah, bit more, yeah. like, the ecosystem kind of I literally thought I was, like, a, another planet. Those, all the succulents and stuff. Where? I was like, whoa. Am I, like, in Mario's world? In it, California? Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, the callers, um, well, it's only one caller, um, David Hathaway. He was also on the show as a guest, um, like, two weeks ago when the last show Ian was on. He's from Arizona, and we were talking about just the sky in in the in the West is something I miss so much. Like it's such a big difference. Yeah. I don't know why. And that's it would funny. Be- um, I and I could see like yeah, like the big sky. Um, just like that view. Yeah, is really. Um, I could see how some people would definitely like that. Like just going from. Utah to moving back to Texas, I was like immediately depressed because like my friends would say stuff like, "Look how beautiful the sunset is tonight," and it's just like, "Oh, there's like some pink, sw- like it's <laughs> yeah. like nothing." Is I, I don't even know how to. I mean, I can't describe in words how beautiful every single sunset is yeah. is in a place where you can see the sky. But well, I just yeah. rode out to Michigan uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I just really I I was like, "Why do people live out here? It's I've flat. Never been there. It's flat. So it's like once I yeah. go past." Like Pennsylvania, yeah. and you get into Ohio and Michigan, and you're like, Kansas. This is 
boring. I this can't is really, Kansas. really boring. Well, and that's um, something like I was really yearning yeah, for. Like yeah. when I was out in the desert, I was like, first of all, like the big sky, like I did not like that. I was like, I feel like I have no shelter. Like there's no trees. There's no mountains. Like I feel so exposed. I'm like, if an alien came here right now, like they, I, I would have nowhere to hide. Like, I feel I just lost felt, in the flatlands. Yeah. Well, and and then like coming back home to places like New Hampshire and Vermont where it's so mountainous and and we have all of these wildflowers and it's so green and luscious and there's my car struggling you know, to go up hills. <laughs> my car my car actually does struggle to go up hills, but uh, you know. Does yours, Joe? Well, I mean, yeah, some of these hills are treacherous, especially like in the in the winter. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, especially in the winter, but uh but yeah, and I think that's a, you know, the point is like I don't know, people People like different things. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I understand the point of living. If you're living in California, bad laws, and then you live in a place that doesn't have mountains, since they do have beautiful mountains in other parts. Oh, yeah. California know, is a huge state. Yeah. They have greenery. So you're going to choose to live in a place that's flat, no greenery, <laughs> no ocean. Expensive. Expensive. Terrible laws. <laughs> terrible laws. Yeah. The least you could do is live on the coast and you know, make well, the best of yeah. it. San Francisco. No, maybe oh, not yeah, San Francisco. Yeah. Not, not that part of the coast. Poop don't rolls get, uphill there. Don't, don't uh, get crazy. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't get California in general. Um, I, I wouldn't live there, but it, it's actually really sad because it's just that the laws have mostly messed up such, uh, such an, um, a place that could be amazing. Um, I haven't spent much time there, but I went to Sacramento um, when I was like 17 and it's just so incredibly beautiful there, so green, even just like the people there, so beautiful. Um, but it, it, they've completely ruined an entire state with terrible um, laws. And it's people like Sarah. You heard her. She mm-hmm. said that she would choose um, her benefits over um, kids getting educated. And she'll, you know, vote your rights away in New Mexico. That's just a bunch of people like her in California mm. for the most part. Well, maybe she if she was educated... She have a better life. I mean, like if she didn't go to public school, good. Oh, we're out. Yep. Um, Analyze what you 
Talk Live, talk radio that you control. 603-283-6160. That's the number you can call to get on with us. 603-283-6160. Excuse the odd bumper fading. It's just we are having technical difficulties. So what you were listening to just now is Captain Kickass's actual music. You can go to captainkickass.bandcamp.com to listen if you liked what you were hearing. Um, 603-283-6160 to get on the phone with us and in the studio with you tonight it's me bonnie nikki and joa and we're just going to go right to the phones we have dave ridley dave ridley you're on the phone uh you're in new hampshire and you're on the phone with us in on free talk live yeah apparently uh, just stop me if you guys have already reported on this but new hampshire's discussion.com is reporting that uh dean Kamen has successfully succeeded a piece of uh, uh, of land from the United States. Who's that? Dean Kamen is a local billionaire. Um, in New Hampshire? He, yeah. He's the inventor of the Segway. Oh, oh yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Or at least his company invented it. Um, now, this isn't actually, this is really is not particularly new, but I just learned about it, and it was it was just in an article on, on NewHampshireSecession.com. I don't even know who runs NewHampshireSecession.com. That's Neither. how big our movement is getting. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> the, um, I guess the thing was he, he, he had a piece of like an island or something that he owned off, off of the coast of New York, and it was under New York's jurisdiction. And New York was like, well, you can't build a building more than 20 feet tall, and you need a, or 40 feet tall, and you need a variance to – and he was like, I can't build anything here. I'm trying to do this thing, and I need a 40-foot tower, and I – he starts talking to the governor of 
or you know, he starts talking to the government of Connecticut about how about we how could we have Connecticut annex this thing? And in the process of doing all this looking around for options, I guess one of his lawyers discovered some obscure treaty thing or rule or loophole or something that allows that piece of property to secede from the whole country. So apparently he did do this. This wow. was, must have been in the late late 90s or something like that. I've um, never heard of this. And, he went, and it was a lot like the Conch Republic situation, if you're familiar with yes, that, where, yeah. where, where the, the uh, Key West, you know, did a bunch of fun stuff, you know, like they declared war on the United States, but then they surrendered and asked for aid. <laughs> well, <laughs> hang on a second. That's not exactly accurate in the sense that the, the Conch Republic, uh, they're their bridge was shut off by the feds, right? Because there was Cubans coming in and then like they boycotted and be like, Hey, we're just going to have our own country then. And we'll let whoever we want in. That's what was going on. Right. Well, that was part of it too. Uh, but yeah, but they had this little ceremony where they, they threw like they threw a loaf of bread at the feds or something like that. Like Mm. they, 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 it was something like they did something with a loaf of bread. There weren't even any any feds in the room. It was kind of like they threw it at the wall or something like that (laughs) and said, all right, that was our kinetic part. Now we're going to do the diplomatic surrender part. And we (laughs) want federal aid. Uh, They were just joking. It was, they had that real lighthearted approach to it. Um, well, I'm just a little anyway. confused. I'm sorry. Let's go back to the thing you're you're calling it about. So in New in Connecticut in the 80s, the man who invented the Segway, he had an island and it was it was part of the federal government's land too. And then he asked Connecticut to take it. Well, I think he owned it, but he uh, but it was under New York's jurisdiction. And when New York government was giving him trouble, he started negotiating with the Connecticut government. To try and get them to take take it over and annex it or something like that. Oh, so it didn't. Uh, and that led him. Um, that led him to to this loophole where you really could actually secede the whole island from the whole United States, and he did do it. Apparently, does that only work for islands? Could you do it for uh, inland mass, uh, inland land? It's probably just for the. I would suspect it's probably just for this one island. Just um, that one island. Anyway, so it was an old old treaty for that specific land yeah maybe maybe you know because i mean you think about it new york you know that's that's the very earliest parts of of um, american large scale scale colonization so you know and it was it was under the dutch for a while so it was probably all complicated and some of that complication probably stuck over into the modern era do you know if anyone lives there now i'm sorry what do you know if anyone lives there now well, he lives in. He lives just down. The, he just lives down the street from where I lived when I was in Bedford. I used to jog past his house. No, I mean, d- does anyone uh, live so on this island now, or, or does does anyone live on? You know, or is it just an empty well, he, island? In the spirit of lightheartedness, I think he's named himself like the Duke of the Island or something like that, and he has like a foreign minister. All this stuff is done, but hardly anyone actually stays there. I think it's like a facility. They wanted to use it for for like a power station or something. Hmm. Okay. There was this and, uh, like I similar think... thing in, off the coast of Maine. It was like between Maine and um, I'm gonna say England, but there's like this. Um, I think it was a man-made island, and uh, they they put a um, a lighthouse on it. This was a long time ago, but the United States didn't want to fund it anymore because they didn't need it anymore, and uh, so this land, like the whole thing, was the little island was up for sale, and they sold it as a country. And because, like, they were like, well, look, the U.S. government's not going to come here and try to seize it away from us. So they, they challenged the whole thing. And, like, they literally had um, the presidency up for sale for, like, a million dollars. And 
the vice presidency was like a half a million dollars and like they're on their fourth. Hmm. And yeah, they made a lot of money off of t-shirts or something like that. But (laughs) it's just like, I I feel like these things are like, oh, that's, you know, lighthearted and silly, but that doesn't really mean like, I wouldn't like put it on my New Hampshire secession website because it's like, it doesn't necessarily say to me like, oh, we're making some kind of progress. It's just something that the feds are ignoring, like. I mean, it's interesting to know that like those sort of things are possible because I think uh, a lot of people maybe just think that like it's it's completely impossible to do anything of the sort. Um, So it might be good in that sense. But also, like maybe we are just beating around the bush. Maybe there is something so easy of a treaty that we could just go, Hmm. boom, we're done. Yeah. We just we played the right card in the court or whatever. And uh, therefore, we're not treason this Hmm. Like it's also interesting he lives <laughs> well, here. Well, I am. <laughs> wow, whoa. It's also interesting he lives here. Like, he chose um, a state that, you know, is one of the most free. Well, thank right. you, Dave. Is that all that you had on your mind? Well, I mean, if you think about it, the only other time I can name where any entity, any entity of land has seceded from the United States successfully would be the Philippines. <clears throat> and uh, so it's just nice to, to see that there was another one, apparently. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> also, it's, it's good to learn from them that, that lighthearted approach, because apparently, you know, the, the government didn't see them as much of a threat. And he met with George Bush, I guess. And he, he said, I'm, I'm meeting in my capacity as the leader of this, <laughs> of this foreign country. And, and uh, I guess he gave foreign aid to the United States in the form of a $100 check. <laughs> oh, my gosh. He just had, and he also and he, he has his own currency on the island. And uh, they, he says, our currency is better than the U.S. government's currency. I mean, it probably is. There, there probably was, more valuable. <laughs> there was this really cool concept TV show, um, and I don't know if it's on anymore, but it came out like maybe a couple years ago now. Uh, and we talked about it on the air when it came <clears> out uh, because someone tipped me off about it. But it's called the the Republic of Sarah, and it had to do with a small town upstate New Hampshire, believe it or not, <laughs> that um, this landmass wasn't properly sort of mapped and dignified with with new hampshire because it was actually part of canada this is a whole you know i think it's a theory that to make the show but like there was a river that went uh, around it to the south when it was canadian and then the river changed and went over north of the town and it became all of a sudden New Hampshire because the river created the border but then it was like no 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 this is still canadian canada was like oh, we don't really care and then, so they're like, all right, we're going to make our own republic, Republic of Sarah. And it was not to spoil it, but they really just turned wicked socialists. Oh, <laughs> but it, it's all fiction, right? <clears throat> huh? It was all fiction, right? Yes. I kind of, sorry. I kind of hate how lots of fiction stories make any type of time there's like, um, you know, people being self-sufficient. They try to make it seem like, oh, look, and then all hell broke loose, like, like Lord of the yeah. Flies. Yeah. Like, yeah, and these boys were left alone for you know two weeks, and they killed each other. Like a TV show is realistic. Yeah, and then people that are so you know um, dumb and gullible that they will be like, yeah, well, we already saw how that played out on you know oh, X TV show. Republic yeah. of Sarah, we saw it. Yeah, it doesn't work. Uh, well, Republic of Sarah is not one hundred percent fictional. It's 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 uh, inspired by something that really did happen, which was when a piece of New Hampshire did become independent around uh, 1795, if I recall. I'm, I'm a little off on the year, probably. Uh, so, again, <clears throat> there is precedent for these kinds of things. It didn't secede from the United States. It just 
fell into a complex situation right. kind of like Liberland. Sort of, yeah. Yeah, like Liberland, I was gonna say, <clears throat> exactly. And by the right. way, I don't know if we did I don't know if we reported us on Free Talk Live at all, but Liberland got raided a, yep. a few days ago. Yeah, we, we did, did report okay, on that right. a few weeks ago. Yeah, it was really sad. Well thank you for the call, David. Um I mean that kind of stuff it is interesting to me. I just don't find much like hope that it's gonna, you know, oh we can do the same thing in New Hampshire. But you know, maybe there is some uh, loophole out there somebody hasn't found yet. Yeah. That'd be cool. I do like it. You know, I, I will say one thing. I like it when people are like lighthearted like that. Like, I feel like life is too serious and it's just like kind of hilarious to have your own island country and just like kind of make a huge joke about it. Yeah. You just like, kind of like, I, I you get, sit back and giggle about it. Like, yeah. <laughs> we're, like getting, get, we're doing it. I get how like some people in the secession movement could be kind of like offended by that, but I think it's I don't find it offensive. I just I just was wondering, oh well, what where's the punchline? Like, does this mean something for New Hampshire? Like why are they putting on the New Hampshire website? I guess I think does... just because it's possible and it really hasn't been done before. I yeah, guess. but like if it's only that one island, it's not really like, oh, this is possible here. That's that was my and point. actually I think it hurts the argument, honestly. Because it's just like a small landmass, it's like an obscurity that doesn't prove why we should secede. It's just an I don't obscurity. Know who runs that website or anything. I'm just looking at it that way. I'm not looking at it in a in a ser- like this is a serious it's a thing that we were trying general. to do here. You know, right. like I don't want to take light of it with the. That's a little bit how I feel. I'm not like offended, but I do kind of think that somebody, uh, an outsider who doesn't agree with secession, would look at it and just say, "Oh well, see, it it could only happen in a place that's like an unpopulated island." That, sure. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm not saying I necessarily think it hurts. Not really. It's just like, okay. Um, we have Tom from New Hampshire. Tom, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Well, the war of words is... I uh, developed a weapon in the war of words. Namely, instead of uh, saying that the cops are out to deter people from breaking the laws and conveniently omitting any mention of how blatantly unjust a multitude of such laws are, I say they are out to intimidate people into obeying a multitude of blatantly unjust laws. See, deter and intimidate pretty much mean the same thing, trying to scare people. But I thought of an even better one, and that is to take the enemy's own weapon and turn it against them. You see, to say that uh, Ian was uh, of respecting his customer's privacy, that doesn't sound nearly as terrible as saying that uh, Ian was guilty of willful blindness. Well, you know, if they're going to use willful blindness, and but for willful blindness, what would have happened? Look at the opportunity to use that weapon. But for willful blindness, the enemies of liberty would see the obvious flaws in all of their absurd lines of reasoning. For example, when they say, well, Tom, you elect the people that write these laws. And I say, no, I don't. And they say, they, they go on to a second category. Some persons don't bother voting. And, okay, that's two categories. But what about the people who voted for the libertarians? See, they ignore the possibility that maybe I voted against the people who write these laws because that there is and but for willful blindness, they would see the absurdity of their uh, line of reasoning and even go on to say, well, then it's your fault because you wasted your vote on somebody who couldn't possibly That's win. True. Hey, Tom, so, I, so I, it, I, you, you, you're, you're reminding me of when I walk into the federal courthouse and knowing now that uh, since you brought up the willful blindness, right? 
Well, when yeah. you walk into the federal courthouse, there's a big, giant silver statue of uh, yeah. Lady Justice putting on a blindfold. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, willful blindness is when they... Uh, I've heard, uh, how can it be unconstitutional when the United States Supreme Court has upheld it? That That's right up there with how can I be overdrawn when I still have some checks left in my checkbook? Uh, you know, there's like the United States Supreme Court vomits forth a far-fetched judicial misinterpretation and the plain text of the Constitution involved. The United States Constitution or the state Constitution does not lend itself to that misinterpretation. It's still no less unconstitutional. And uh, but for willful blindness, they would know that, uh, first of all, they're uh, the cops. Their oath of office isn't to uphold the far-fetched judicial misinterpretation. It's to uphold, uh, to perform their duties agreeably to the Constitution and laws. Uh, and well, even then, they would they would understand that uh, by definition, unalienable rights preempt the rule of law. Well, well Tom, Tom, let me ask you a question. No offense, but what, what do you expect? What do you plan to do with this information? Like, just yell this at people on the street and expect it's going to like just change their minds and they're going to get it. Well, the same as I've been uh, mentioning, that cops are on a mission to intimidate the humans into obeying a multitude of blatantly unjust laws. It's, it's turning around their own uh, their own statement of principles. They are up to deter people from breaking the laws. It's just using in the war of words, as Daniel Webster said, there's nothing so powerful as truth and often nothing so strange. And by the way, I think Bonnie should get in touch with, if she hasn't already done so, all the uh, reporters that reported on that sentencing hearing and the press release from the state, United States Attorney's Office and try to see if those newspapers will also cover the rest of the story uh, that the, uh, you know, stuff like how uh, the statute didn't even say anything about Bitcoin. The statute was about uh, funds transfer businesses and businesses I'm, see, in the business. I'm not really interested in like um, reaching out to like MWR and getting them to correct the record listen. because not only will they not listen, but that's kind of what Free Talk Live is for. Like I'm on yeah. here putting the record straight all the time. I can write on Free Keen if I want to. It's not really like I, I just don't really care about changing everybody's idea, everybody's mind. Because I, I mean, it's already too freaking late. For one thing, it's like it's not like um, the pe the readers. Um, thank you for the call, Tom. It's not like the readers of MWR are going to be, you know, like uh, reading this thing and saying, "Oh, it's not like they're going to end up on a jury and be the." They, yeah, and they don't care. It, it's too late. They're the gatekeepers' information. They're not going to hand us the keys. <laughs> yeah, right. That's exactly like they interviewed me. M MWR is that what they're called? MWR. M W U R. U R. Yeah, I think there's a U. Um. So yeah, they interviewed me right after the sentencing date the other day for like I don't know what ten minutes, and all they did was uh break this part. Wait, yes, W M U R. Thank yeah, you. I was like, get, I know yeah. it's wrong somehow. Um, <laughs> and it yeah, what it stands for. I don't have no know. idea. Yeah. Don't care. It's some random generated letters. <laughs> It doesn't. It actually doesn't stand for anything. I never, I never get that right on the first try. I don't know what it is, but, um, but they interviewed me for like ten minutes, and all they put on the news was they were like talking about Ian, talking about, uh, you know, make just repeating all of the government's allegations against Ian and saying he went to jail for eight years, and then they're like, and this is what his new wife has to say, and then new they, wife, then they show me, and it's just me saying these people. And I obviously had said before that I was talking about the jury, but they didn't even include that part. They just 
cut to a clip of me saying, these people, I don't know if they just didn't like him or maybe they don't like that his wife is young. And that's like all they That's all they showed. Yeah, I saw that. They tried to make it look like I was just like dumb and also called me a new wife as if when like he has an old wife, like he just got rid of his other wife when she turned 30. How about when the news reporter (laughs) promised me, she promised me on camera that she was going to show Don Bulldog throwing an elbow into my chest. Guess what they did? They started to show the clip. Right, and they ended it right before he threw the elbow into my chest. It's ridiculous. <laughs> that's so annoying. It's and that like, would have been like juicy too. Right. Like that's the stuff that people want to see. That's what I, I don't know. Get. But they probably like if she were, or obviously like she's you know working with other people and like editors and her boss and stuff like that. If they were to include that, they would probably like someone would come after them hey, for they, that. Probably. There's no doubt in my mind. They sent. I think it was her name was Jennifer to to do this report because. Damn, she retired two weeks later. Oh, <laughs> the, the, that's the, convenient. The reporter that uh, that interviewed me when I went to file a complaint against Bulldog, mm-hmm. she like retired like right after. Weird. Yeah, so she just put herself in a position to lie, and then she's like, "I'm quitting" or whatever it is. It's it's so so bad. Like I can't wait for your trial. Um, what what is he gonna say? What is he gonna say? Like, uh, well, I just decided to lie in that moment. Uh, what else could he say? Well, if he does lie, I'm like, hey, uh, was there any violence today? And he's going to be like, no. I'm like, roll back that bean footage. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. Wait, the, the listener doesn't know what we're talking about. We're talking about in October of last year, 2022. November 3rd? Oh, November? Oh, well, yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay. November of last year, Don Bulldog, he was running for Senate here in New Hampshire, and he was going into St. Anselm College to do a debate. Yep. And um, Joa walked up to him and said, uh, don't start any wars. Yeah, don't go to war. I said, you suck. Don't go to war. Yeah, you suck. Don't go to war. Which is pretty based. Yep. Because <laughs> he was all about I mean, war with China at the time. And he then like about Don it. Bulldog just proved that he sucks. And yeah. he went to war by throwing an elbow in my chest. Yeah. And then he started screaming, <laughs> he hit me. He hit me. And it, this is all on, on camera. Yeah. It's it's on camera. that He's uh, pointing to a cop telling him to go arrest Joa. And he's saying, he hit me three times. And then slandered me on the news three yes. times. And or, it, I mean, he lied three times in the news about the incident. And uh, where can they go to see that video? Oh, definitely go to freekeen.com. Oh, yeah, they can see it That's there. where I tell people to go. Do not, like, if you go anywhere else, they're not going to give you the, the right story. Um, there's a few people on Twitter that wrote about it correctly, but that's kind of hard to dig up too. Right. But I mean, you can see me on Brett Bart yeah, and they list lying. me up there with fire bombers, rapists, and murderers. Whoa. <laughs> what? Yes. There's a list of political violence occurring, uh, political violence season, whatever. And then like they literally list me w- with all these really bad things that were happening. That should be like slander, you know. It Especially is slander. Since- it, absolutely. He, he, yeah, the, like what did you? You didn't even do anything. The editor, as soon as he posted the first article about it, uh, and it was totally wrong. I sent him a, a message. I was like, "Hey, you might want to fix this and watch this video and fix the the article." Nope. They don't care. He, yeah, he's like, "Prove to me that's you." I'm like, "What?" I'm telling you, it's me. Like, this is my channel. This da 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 da. He and can write a whole story about you without any kind of proof of what happened or yeah, anything. I know, that's kind of exactly. strange, right? Did, and yeah. then he, I gave him the footage. Yeah. And he doesn't review, even review it. And he, they don't he care. doubled down, tripled down, quadrupled down on me hitting Bulldog. I never Crazy. even touched the guy. Actually, wait, I did touch him with my chest. Uh, and I, I placed my chest into his elbow. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> 
<laughs> I really hope that uh, he has to, you know, show up. But anyways, we're going to go and film uh, Joa's trial that's coming up this month, and I'm really excited for that, honestly. Um, I, I just can't see how Bulldog worms his way out of this one. Um, we also have another caller on the line. Skeeter, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind, Skeeter? The, you boy hates the bursters of fashion bubble, but uh, that North Dumpling Island that uh, David Ridley was talking about, it's not really secession. It was a joke. It was, he, he used secession as a joke. Okay. Have a nice day, Skeeter. It was a, such a stupid call. I mean, we have been sitting here talking about how it was mo- more of a joke. I, I don't know what he's talking about. Wow. I Very mean, like, educated call. Thank you, Skeeter. You're so boring. No one Free likes speech you. for the win. Um, <laughs> we're going to go into break for a little bit. bit um, but don't go anywhere. More Free Talk Live coming up. 603-283-6160. That's the number to call to get on the line with us. Put it back on. And it was so weird that it happened to me, like, as you think it was monitored. No. No Um, yep, it's called Walk Day. The crimes of the 
I think he's great. I think he does a great insect doing it wow. He has like eight thousand. He was back to Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control, 603-283-6160. That's the phone number for you to call to get on the line with us in this last segment, 603-283-6160. But we will be back tomorrow as well. So keep the number on your phone or something. Um, and in the studio with you tonight on Free Talk Live, it's me, Bonnie. Nikki. And Joa. And I'm just going to go straight to the phones because we have Riley, Riley, our other co-host. You're on the, um, you're on the air with us, Riley. What's on hey. your mind? Hi, guys. Hey. How's... So here's the thing. I've been in New Hampshire for 12 weeks now. And we've been doing our 420 rallies for about 11 weeks, I want to say. And I feel like they've been well attended. But what I'd love to see happen is... If if we could smoke weed in front of the PlayStation, that'd be really cool. Oh yeah, you were talking about that a few weeks ago, and I I think that'd be a really fun um, switch it up one day and do it there. My my big concern is I'd want to have a larger amount of people than like four or five, right. so that you know if the police come harass us, they're not gonna be able to harass you know fifteen or twenty people. Will so, you be surprised? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, but it's less yeah, likely, you know, there's more be... accountability, right? That's allegedly. How... Yeah, it's just harder when, you know, everyone has cameras and we're we're filming it and getting on film and They'll getting... probably choose someone, I bet. I bet they'd pick someone. That's what they usually do. It's not like we haven't smoked yeah. a joint in the police station. <laughs> in? Yeah, exactly. True. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> this well, is New Hampshire. Well, Riley, I think that we could definitely get that done if we put the word out like a couple weeks in advance, especially to like the Manchester people, a bunch of them uh, might come out. And I think that would be really great. You want to do it some Sunday, right? I do. I think it'd be great. Um, I wish that I smoked. I, I'll try to think of something illegal to do. <laughs> Maybe you're not supposed to talk on the Impromptu illegal stuff. Right. I just, I don't smoke weed anymore, so... Uh, That's I, okay. I would do it with you guys, but either way, I'll be there in solidarity, and I'll think of something, um, something Just, to we do. We take shots. Yeah, okay. she, doesn't, she doesn't do that either. Yeah, actually, I don't drink either. I was about to say though, maybe we'll take some mushrooms or something. Maybe everyone who doesn't, um, what's the word, um, drink or smoke weed can I can bring a bunch of Heineken zero percents. Yeah, yeah St. Paulies. Yep, that'd be fun. There you go. Um, is that there, all you had? There, the reason why I want to do this isn't 
to get arrested or anything like that. It's to show that, hey, you know, we're here in New Hampshire. We have our rights. We're exercising our rights. And we're not going to take harassment from the police. Ian Freeman may be in a cage, but our movement is not going away. And I think that's an important step to make to show people that, hey, we're doing things. We're stepping up our game. Well, I don't know if we're going to be stepping up our game necessarily, but we're still doing things. I, I think it's definitely important that um, they don't just like get rid of Ian and oh well everyone's done doing um, actors and that's why I'm really really glad that Joe decided to come back to Keen. Um, there's kind of like a you know a silver lining when lots of things happen when people are um, <laughs> captain over there. <laughs> it's kind of a silver lining when something back, bad happens to an activist. I mean it activates a whole bunch of other people, you know. It seems to do that. It seems to say, oh, well, my friend got in a cage, so I better come out of hiding or whatever, out of retirement, and get back to doing activism. I mean, I've been I've been actually kind of floating and looking for my footing and that sort of thing. And if I can find it right. here, uh, staying here for like a week or two, and, uh, you know, maybe I can uh, figure it out and stay longer and do more activism, I really do want to continue doing this. And I, I really do think uh, seeing Ian not in Keene that there needs to be a sort of a sort of push of activism here while he's not here. Right. I, I really... Yeah, because... Oh, go ahead, Riley. Because Ian has been a huge part of the keen activist community, and I really look up to that because I, for some reason, there's a part of me that loves to stand against authority, and I really want to bring that part of me out to learn how to stand against authority and exercise my right to stand against authority. Nice. I, I agree. I, I just really like living in Keene where for the most part, I, I mean, I've just never been pulled over here. Um, I know that it's, it's not like no one gets pulled over here and no one gets harassed by the police, but I feel like the police are really um, tame here because of e- people like Ian. And you mean if, like Keene specifically or like are you talking about the entire Monadnock region? Uh, Keene specifically, okay. I don't. Keene, yeah, I, if I would I, say so. If I yeah. leave... Um, Keen, it's like to go to somewhere totally different. I almost never yeah. like you know go to just like the surrounding. But you area. have a point. Like I, I know someone who has been pulled over by Keen PD, but every time I've ever been pulled over, which is kind of frequently, I don't know why they just like keep targeting me or something. Um, but it's our always like once I get to Swansea or hmm. Troy, like I, it's never been in Keen. It's like you sure. know some other yeah, some yeah. other cop down the street. I, I just think that Ian and the rest of them back in the early days of freaking in its heyday, like 2010 or whatever, they really trained the cops like, listen, you're not going to get an easy um, moment of pulling someone over, arresting someone. We're going to take you to court and sometimes win. Either way, waste your time. And you're not going to have an easy day if you mess with a free stater. The, and, the uh, cops in Keene have definitely been trained. Yeah. Like when they get a new guy in, they're like, hey, listen. <laughs> if you see this bumper sticker. <laughs> They show him the, uh, what, what's that JFK film? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, no. <laughs> oh my God. No, no, no. no. You they had show, to go there. They show all the free Keen videos <laughs> and they're like, I understand. They just play like people. Derek J's victimless uh, crime spree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be great. Well, oh, I, I know that they get, um, you know, they definitely get trained. Like they get told about the free staters. Like, yeah. Um, one day, I was actually going to bring this up earlier when we were talking about the parking spots. Um, in 2020, um, Ian, our co-host, Peakless Mountaineer, and uh, Nobody, and some other people were, were out having a nightcap, and the cops came and were giving them tickets for being 
parked overnight there and they were like yeah Ridiculous. it's uh because you know if the firefighters need to come through here something stupid like that like they can't just drive through normally anyway and um they had a really young guy with them and uh in in the video ian asked them uh, are you training them or are you you're, you've got the oh man now I actually don't remember if he, they admit to it or if Ian just asks <laughs> but Ian does ask are, are you training them to deal with the free staters and he said it seemed like I, I can't remember now if the if he actually answers in it and right. says that's what they're doing so I, I could just be mixing that up but. well uh, you bring up uh, an interesting thing is the uh, the overnight parking I, I beat an overnight parking ticket in Providence nice. and all I did in court all I said during my little judge trial I said what does it mean to be overnight parking? Like, how do you know I didn't just park there and then I was going to leave 10 minutes after she gave me the ticket? Yeah. How can you prove this overnight parking thing? Hmm. And they're like, you're right. We're throwing it out. Wow. So if everyone just like sometimes, argued it like that. Yeah, exactly. And like sometimes it's as easy as that. And especially with like low level stuff, like uh, traffic infractions and parking tickets. It's pretty e- like it's not super serious it's pretty easy to just take it to court you can literally like say whatever and at least usually, waste their time yeah. yeah at least waste their time usually they'll just throw it out and i mean you get a nine cop times, off the street well nine times out of ten the cops don't show up mm-hmm. and then it gets thrown out so either way i mean like don't pay it like always fight it and speaking yeah, of um fight, traffic fight. yeah exactly speaking of um traffic infractions um, my court date is coming up on uh, December fifteenth for Hillsborough. Uh, yeah, Hillsborough. I think that's oh, where nice. it is at one p.m. So What'd if anybody do? wants to come, what did you do? Nothing. Yeah, good answer. <laughs> I'm trying to make you admit it. No, no. <laughs> no. Oh my god, Joe. Never. <laughs> what you do? <laughs> listen, this ain't my first rodeo. This is like maybe I shouldn't even say the next part on the air, but never mind. I'm innocent, and I will win. So, is nice. that all you have for us, Riley? Yep, that's all I have. Thank you so much. Thank you for your service with the 420. Good night, um, Riley. I'll, I'll see you Sunday? Yep, it's on Sundays. That's actually awesome because I think it's so cool how Riley like just got here. And obviously, like he's been working with Free Talk Live forever. Yeah. Like he's been calling in, he's came out to visit. Like, you know, we've we've he does known the Riley, digests. right? Yeah, yeah. He does the gi- digests for us for people who don't know, um, which is super helpful for people. You know, because a lot of people these days don't have the the capacity for a three-hour show, right? Um, but what I was going to say is it's so cool that he moved out here and immediately started doing something. Yep. Immediately started, um, you know, a meetup. And it's been pretty successful. So that's cool. I mean, like, that's cool to, like, hit the ground running, like, right when you come here. Yeah. And, and, and Riley, uh, your free Ian shirt is ready, so. Nice. <laughs> Oh yeah, Joe. Joe has been. Um, I don't know. Maybe you want me to shout yeah, out on the show? Joe is making some shirts. He's he's like a really good artist. He he's really humble about it. Like I know he's gonna say I'm not a really good artist. <laughs> he is, but he is. He can really do uh, faces, and um, he made a shirt where he's hand painting Ian, our um, co-host Ian, my husband, and it says "Free Ian" on the bottom, and it's really, really, really cute. I love it. And you also made us. Um, uh, or the the sketches yes. from the trial. Yep. 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 As much and you as I could, could. You could definitely tell immediately who everyone was that he had drawn. Like, oh yeah. I could tell Sissy and Ian and the judge. Oh yeah, that's the uh, FBI prosecutor. That's the. Yep. The FBI witness, the short-haired butch. They don't lady. let you do. Um, <laughs> they don't let you bring um cameras in. So it's like a really really nice service that you came out and did that. Yeah. yeah. No, that was awesome. Um, 
but yeah, he's selling those T-shirts. So I don't know where where you could get one. Uh, if you if you know like how to contact me, maybe I'll make one for you. Yeah, and if you look, but I think I'm gonna bring the price up if I get a lot of orders. Yeah, <laughs> that, no, that's a lot of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's literally hand painting these. Yeah, um, it's hardcore. But let's moving on. Or let's move on. We have this story from New York Post that I kind of teased at the beginning. Um, I'm not going to play the video of this um, only because I don't want to mess with the technical stuff right now when we've got it kind of uh, just floating along. Um, I, I don't want to mess it up. But the, and it's not, not that interesting to listen to anyway. It's a video. Um, th- this, um, the title of this article says, Pennsylvania cop arrested for improperly committing ex-girlfriend to a mental facility. Oh, this one. And um, in the video, I mean, you can at least hear her saying, like, what the heck are you doing? You're crazy. Like, something is wrong with you. Get off me. Um, but he doesn't say anything back. He's being so freaking weird. He's in plain clothes, and he's sitting on her like she's... Imagine she's sitting crisscross, kind of, and then he's sitting on top of her legs, and she's still sitting up, and she's like, get... Like, she's cussing so- stuff. I want to know just really quick. Does it look like he has? Are you familiar with like um, like physical restraints, like different restraints no. that you'd put? Um, well, maybe you might be able to guess at least. Um, does it look like he has her in a restraint that you would do to like protect somebody or protect yourself from them, or does it just look like he's being a weirdo uh, and like I tackled will, her? It is disgusting. Disgusting. I saw the whole video. There okay. is a video out there. Because I have not you, watched you don't the video. Play, probably it, swears. it couldn't possibly be not hurting her, I think. It, in the, it in absolutely the hurt her. She's and- got bruises. she got scratches on her face. Uh, she, he rubbed her face into rocks. Oh, my God. Okay. He... This is his ex-girlfriend. This is like, I think it's sexual uh, right, right. That, force. I th- think there's it, something and, sexual about the video and in, in a gross way. I just, I just like peeked my head over at Bonnie's screen and saw at least like the the woman in question. She's very, very thin. Very right, thin. small. She's very he's small. He's a big guy. Like, yeah, he is a lot bigger. She does not have a lot of muscle mass on her. Like, the there's only- no reason that he would need to like tackle. And if she has like scratches on her. Yeah, he tackled her. It doesn't. Yeah. I would. It's I would not say even that. that. Like he keeps on pushing her down onto the ground, and like she's trying to roll and like try to get out of it, and like get off of me, like stop, like you know. And it's like I'm not gonna run, like that's what she's yeah, saying. Yeah. And she's like willing to wait for like whatever nine one one he called. She's not gonna run. Mm-hmm. Like most reasonable people, they don't run. Like yeah, most often than not, you could be reasonable and running, but that's another story. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, is like. She's not wearing a whole lot of clothing, like on her on her skin, like so her arms and her legs are exposed, and so she's getting all scratched like up a on there and too. Shorts, yeah. yeah, and it, but her face gets a lot of scratches too. Like they, she showed pictures afterwards. Hmm. But uh, yeah, go ahead. It, it's disgusting. It can imagine like it's UFC really rolling around on the ground is like kind of what this is. But the, he's like dominating, and her. he's like being like silent the whole time. He's just a total yeah. Like he's freak. justifying what he's doing. So. It says a married Pennsylvania state police trooper is facing false imprisonment charges after he allegedly violently detained. I don't know why they even say allegedly it's on camera, but violently detained his ex-girlfriend and committed her to a mental health treatment program under bogus claims. Ronald Davis, 37, was arrested Thursday on accusations he abused his authority to carry out the twisted takedown that left his former girlfriend improperly stuck in a uh, medical facility for multiple days, the Dauphin County District Attorney's Office said. 
Davis reportedly told her, I know you're not crazy. I'll paint you as crazy. Leading wow. That's conspiracy. Hmm. Leading up to the forced medical treatment. The victim claimed, according to court documents released by the district attorney's office, his quest to have his ex committed began on August 21st when he sought help from fellow troopers because he said the victim, identified by district attorney, uh, attorney as MF, um, I guess using her initials, had mental health problems, according to an affidavit of probable cause. On advice from state police, Davis, off-duty at the time, contacted county officials via his police email account and identified himself as a trooper to obtain an order after he submitted purported wow. texts from her in which she threatened suicide, according to the court docs. It was such a freak. He's I mean, so disgusting. Yeah, he, looks, he yeah. looks like a sex offender. He, right. There's this picture that popped up, um, his mugshot that Nikki and I can look at from here. Yeah. He's just disgusting, yeah. bald. And, and like, I know when, you know, I obviously I'm being sarcastic here but like i know when i when somebody is a, a mental health you know has mental health issues and is a suicide risk you know i always physically assault them right like that makes a lot of sense i know like, are like, you kidding me i i don't understand like just in general on um, when it comes to policing or whatever is that if say you commit a crime it's like there's absolutely no victim and it was just like like just say it was just petty theft like you stole a pack of gum right the cops will Tackle you, beat you, and like, yeah. and then still run you through the system, like, and justify that to themselves. Just putting hands on you, unwanted touch, is beyond yeah. that stealing a pack of gums. Absolutely, like that's more of a crime, and especially when it comes into cases where people are mentally ill. I'm sorry, you're not helping. Oh, oh, well, we need to go section them. Okay, but like. Being physical with them and physically harming them is not helping the situation. It's not like she was and, like five feet away from a gun and he was keeping her from grabbing the yeah, gun and killing her. Yeah, absolutely not. And like, this is the thing where it's like cops are absolutely the worst people to respond to mental health emergencies. Absolutely. Like, they escalate the situation, any sort of security, honestly, usually, but they always escalate the situation. They don't know how to speak to people in a therapeutic manner. Like, anyone else is more qualified. Um, and to respond to these sort of situations and yeah. get someone into like, you know, if they need to be brought to the hospital or, or wherever they're going. I mean, cops are the absolute worst people to handle this. I've, I got pulled over once, uh, for license plate frames and I was challenging the cop. Like, this is not, this is not true. This like is they bold. didn't want you to have the frame you had on your this license This was a plate? rental car oh. with the rental cars, license so, plate frames. Oh my gosh. <laughs> And I was uh, they were gathering. saying it was obstructing it or something. Yeah, but it's it, see the law the the way the law is written, you can't obstruct uh, you know any government um, insignias and stuff like that on the plates. But it it I've seen license plate frames that have obstructed the words and everything like that. Even your inspection sticker, like or whatever your registration sticker, whatever, all that stuff. I've seen that, and that maybe it's not good. But this frame was not that aggressive. Just barely covered the border of the plate. Regardless, that's not the point. Um, even the rental car company said they would pay for the ticket. But when I got pulled, and I was like, "No, I'm going to fight this in court." They're like, "Okay, I won. I won." But that's another story. Nice. Uh, but uh, um, and there's a few stories involved in all this. But I was actually gathering evidence for another case <laughs> for an illegal U-turn. I got pulled over about. Uh, this is no. That's besides the point. But I was gathering that evidence, and then when I pulled out, the cop pulls me over. And then uh, I asked for a supervisor, 
Supervisor shows up. Ironically, it's his father-in-law. That makes sense. But they called for the ambulance. Because they were going to, they said on the radio, they were going to run a psyche valve on me. Wow. So they called the ambulance to the scene because I'm challenging license plate frames. Who's the psycho here? Who's the one that's crazy right now? The cop pulling you over in a really dangerous spot, too. Hmm. Uh, and it was like, it's just these guys are suicidal. Like, do you really want to cause trouble to your neighbors and in, in the community? Well, if he really believed you were just a, if he believed you were like a dangerous person, they're too much of P words to like actually want to deal with that. They, you well, know, and that's that one. Yeah, yeah okay. that one. So, and that's the thing too. It's like, okay, if we, you know, if he thought you were some like criminal or whatever, like you're a danger to society, why, what does that have to do with your license plate? You know, you know, you know what I mean? How, like they pull people over for all of these. It's it's fishing is really what uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, so yeah. they're like, oh, well, they did the same thing to me. Um, they I got pulled over for having I had a purple tinted license plate light, and they didn't like that, so they pulled me over, and then they got me for you know all this other stuff. Oh yeah. So and that's what they do. Well, you want to talk about how dangerous of a person I was with those license plate frames? I looked up that police officer on the criminal database in Rhode Island, and. Apparently, when you get divorced, you're in the criminal database, which is pretty cool because I found out where he lived. There's that easy. Yeah, that's believe so it or not. weird. Yeah, like, it's every, criminal. It's in, you become a criminal. No, I don't. Just in Rhode Island, at least. Become a criminal. It's in the criminal divorced? database if you get divorced. That's so that is weird. So I found out where he lived because he got divorced, <laughs> and so I went to his house. I didn't like go in his house or <laughs> yeah, on his property, yeah. but I parked across the street and I took pictures of his uh, his license plate. And his wife's license plate. Did they have license plate? Covers? Oh, would you? Would, <laughs> could you believe it? <laughs> wow! But not not just that. Not even that. Okay. Uh, now I'm in, in trial in court, and the judge. Did uh, you Did you bring those photos? Yeah, but I, they, they weren't weren't admissible because yeah. they're not on trial. Right? Yeah. But yeah. I'm making but a it's point. Still, like, yeah, you're making a point. But it gets like, even yeah, better. You're not as a uh, as of. Like as much of a protected class as you think you are, you know what I mean? Yeah, but there was more irrelevant uh, evidence. There is uh, while the prosecutors is ranting away to the judge about how like I should do community service and all this stuff, or at least community service. I'm I walk over to the window and I go, I just say out loud like, "Whose Mercedes is this out here?" Oh, <laughs> it it was parked a, out there during the trial. It was the judge's car Whoa. a brand new mercedes and uh this place called greco and they put these really big rhode thick, island yeah and R- johnson rhode island oh. uh, and they put these really big thick license plate frames on their plates like it covers everything like wow. you can't even read like what state you're from with these plate covers and um <laughs> and the judge goes Okay, all right. Well, oh my god. Yeah, there's there's other funny things like the prosecutor was like, "Why don't you just do, you know, chill? Why don't you just do like 5 hours community service?" And I just get up to the mic and I just do it. I just go up to the mic and go, "I don't negotiate with terrorists." <laughs> <laughs> and the judge is like, "Okay, okay. You know what? This is my last case ever dismissed." He dismissed <laughs> the case. Wow. I, that's a great story. I love that story. That is a great story. I mean, if people just took these uh simple things to court like, you know, 10% of people, well, it would really mess them up. And that's what I'm saying, too. Like, you can literally get up there. I'm not saying, like, if you get up there and say anything, you're going to win every time. Right. But usually. Like, people that th- act like it needs to be, like, this science and you need to, like, hire an attorney to fight your speeding ticket. Hmm. No, nope. just fight it. The cop's probably not even going to show up. And you can literally just say whatever you want. I mean, you could make, like, a legit, a pretty legit argument. 
or, you know, whatever. If you ever go off rails, like if you're representing yourself in court and you go off rails and the judge goes, hey, can we get back on the topic? Like, look, I'm pro se. I'll say whatever I want. Just say that. Just say, I'm pro se and I'm going to say whatever I want. So because they can't stop you at that point. They (laughs) know that you're not a lawyer. Yeah. So it's pretty funny. Um, Matt fought some maybe a, a driving without a license or something. Um, and essentially, he got it dismissed because, you know, how they, they redo the charge and they're like, do you understand what you're being accused of or however the, the language is? And he just said, no. No, I don't. And then they're like, okay, so they read it again. He's like, no, I, I don't understand. So, sorry, sorry then, Judge. As many so, times as you beat me down, I'm still not going to understand so, it. <laughs> so then that's the thing. They cannot proceed if you don't understand. And then, you know, I'm not saying this is going to happen every time, but the guy was just like, fine, dismissed, whatever. I'm not dealing with this. Well, basically all there is left of this story. I, I'm glad this guy got arrested. He Yeah, screw that guy. He told the cops that were on their way. He said, um, I'll take care of it myself. And then he started uh, you Ugh. know, tackling her. Ew. And um, I'm glad the guy got arrested. Yeah. It's been Free Talk Live. Talk radio that you control. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. Joa and I will be back on tomorrow. And um, Nikki will be back on Sunday. And it's been great talking about how much cops don't actually do what you think they do tonight. You know, they're, they're here to make victims and make the world a worse place. And all cops are bastards. It's been Free Talk Live. Thanks. Oink, oink.